just happened, weirdos. We're sitting here with um, 36 week. 37? 37 tomorrow. 37 tomorrow. 37-week pregnant Valerie. If you're listening to this, uh, to the day it come, came out, comes out, came out, uh, I'm doing Largo tonight, and Val was just like, this might be the last time we go to Largo without a baby. So crazy. Crazy. So crazy. Super, super excited. Everything's great. Happy to report. Healthy. Mama's Healthy. Right, yeah. Mama. <laughs> it's probably annoying to people. I know. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not I'm gonna throw myself in this well. Valerie is doing great. Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but baby Leela is on her way, and we're very, very excited. Uh, and I do have Largo um, tonight, and uh, it's with um, Bo. Mm-hmm. Love it. My favorite combo. Bo Burnham. Am I allowed to say that? On the podcast? I'll ask Flanny after this. And uh, wonderful guests. The Milk Carton Kids are doing the music. I want to have Joey on this podcast. We've got to do that. Um, And that's about it. This is Tom Clark. Tom Clark is a comedian that I've known for for many years, kind of peripherally. You'll, You'll hear in this conversation that we're really getting to know each other kind of as we're talking. This is certainly far and away the longest conversation we've had, and we sort of cover how we met and how many, uh, where and when we ran into each other. But he's a very funny guy. Um, we're going to play a little bit of his Conan set here to tease him as, as a performer. But this is one of those, uh, you know, comedy-heavy ones where we talk a lot about the craft and, and what it's like on the road and, and all that sort of stuff. If I remember correctly, I think I do, but it's been months. It's, this was one of the ones that unfortunately has been sitting because I needed to bank episodes uh, while we were shooting. But today it's finally out. It's a wonderful episode with the very funny Tom Clark. Check him out. And we're going to check him out here. Um, try a Pete's pick. Oh, God, I love my... We're editing right now. I don't think there's a time that I'm not swearing by the Pete's picks. And that's why they're Pete's picks. I don't know if you guys know the story of Pete's Picks, but if you want to support the show, people sometimes express a desire to want to show gratitude for, as I always joke, this is a free podcast, as if they're on free podcasts. But if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is buy a Pete's Pick. And the best news is, these are actually products that I buy. I use the promo codes, and I buy these these products. Um, So I reached out to these companies. The first one is Alpha Brain, made by Onnit. Um, Alpha Brain is a nootropic. It's earth-grown ingredients. It's not a stimulant. It's a brain vitamin, basically. It helps with memory, concentration, focus. It helps with communication. Helps me with this podcast. I, I haven't recorded an episode of this podcast without taking Alpha Brain about 15, 20 minutes before uh, in years, three or four years. Um, writing scripts. Um, sometimes if I'm just feeling a little brain fatigue and we're going to dinner and I want to be engaged and interesting, and uh, I'll take Alpha Brain. I take it sometimes before I meditate, especially if I'm having like a quiet day and I want to go deep, Alpha Brain. It's wonderful. I love it. Anything creative I do, when I do a lot of creative things, I always, always, always take Alpha Brain beforehand. There's the powder form, which gets into my blood a little bit faster. Sometimes I would just lick it on set and people thought I was doing drugs. That's fun. 
hugely helpful with crashing. And if you want to try it, uh, you can get um, 10% off. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird. All the products you see on there on that landing page, 10% off, and you can show your support of our show. The other one is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. Named for Charlotte, a young girl who was having seizures, they gave her this type of CBD oil, and it helped her um, get well. CBD oil, if you don't know, is made from the hemp plant, but it is completely legal. Ships legally to all 50 states. It doesn't get you stoned or high. It just has a warm, healthy, um, uh, what do I always say? Glow. That's, that's the good word for it. It gives you a glow. It takes you from uh, zero to just like a little bit quicker to smile, a little bit quicker to laugh, a little bit, this is for me personally, lower anxiety, lower stress, taking things a little bit easier. I like to take a little bit in the morning. I take the Everyday Advanced mint chocolate flavor. Takes like tastes like a thin mint. Um, just take drops, literally. I get the advanced one because it's the strongest, and you can take drops. And you just, it's almost subperceptual, but you feel it. You feel a little bit of a boost and a little bit happier and sillier through the day, which I love. Makes me silly sometimes, but uh, I'm kind of silly. I think it makes me relax enough to be who I am, which is silly. I think that's a good way to put it. So uh, they take out the THC with science. They leave in the, uh, the body healthy, brain healthy CBD. Google CBD oil, but know that Charlotte's Web is the only hemp oil grown in Denver, made specifically for human consumption by the Stanley Brothers. And I want you to try it. CWHemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY will get you 10% off your purchase. Uh, that's it. Hope to see you at Largo. If you want to support the uh, podcast, get a pizza pick. Or if you just want to try one, get a pizza pick. Um, and we're going to now listen. Do you have anything, Belle? No, but let's get Benman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say last night I ate peanut butter and pickles, which is something I often eat. Because yeah. I get unsalted peanut butter, so it's not salty enough, so I eat pickles <laughs> with it. And you're pregnant, and you've you've been very normal, as far as I can tell, with your cravings. Yeah, except for that I do like to eat, as you fondly put it, garbage seventh grade candy. <laughs> yeah, you do like a garbage candy. Yeah, I'm craving, like, gummy, Love sour gummy, gummy can- candy. You know what was the worst candy? I bet you do. Maybe you're too young. The, the wax bottles of Coke. Oh, those are <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you bite the top off and just drink like goop. Goop. Yeah. Off brand extra sweet cola goop. Yeah. It's like, it was like cola before you add the carbonation. That's right. It was uncarbonated too. So you're drinking flat, thick Coke. Who made this? Just drink a Coke. Drink a Coke. <laughs> drink a Coke. You want Coke? Drink a Coke. You're in a candy store and you tell me they don't sell Coke? <laughs> Just get a Coke! Get a Coke. Oh, man, what a terrible idea. And yet we all tried it. We were all curious. Oh, yeah. I'd love a glass of it on ice. <laughs> Just that <laughs> it's, I think it's called cough syrup. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think Lil Wayne loves it. Mm-hmm. the Wizzle. What was I saying? Oh, we're going to listen to Tom Clark. You have nothing. Oh, your cravings have been normal. That's what you're saying. Yes. Well, yeah. that's what you were saying. And you love, like, gummy, like, sour gummy worms. And now I'm craving Thin Mints because you said it. But per the, per the Mulaney bit, you can't get them. Are they aware they have a winner on their hands? <laughs> uh, it was his birthday yesterday. Anyway, okay, let's, or two days ago. Let's get into it. 
Um, before we before we uh, get to the podcast, we're going to play. Katie is going to play a little bit of Tom Clark's set on Conan, just to give you a sense of his flavor. He's very funny, and uh, that's it. Hope to see you at Largo, uh, Valerie. Get into it. <laughs> Musical. Yeah. I do come from a uh, long line of uh, show business people. Actually, my great great grandfather was actually a Civil War reenactor uh, during the Civil War. Uh, <laughs> A little ahead of his time. A little ahead of his time. Uh, my parents are uh, my parents are older, uh, older, older than me. Uh, if your parents are younger, you're probably adopted. Um, but they are older. And uh, growing up, they were very homophobic. Very homo. I'm sorry, they're very homophobic. They hated words that sounded the same but meant something completely different. <laughs> different. I, uh, I, now, the, the gay marriage, they approved that finally, and uh, I'm assuming. I'm assuming we're all against it. Uh, all right, so. Now, I, um, now here's my thing I like gay people because gay people get to call their loved ones partners, you know? Like they're detectives or something. <laughs> like, I'm true, this is my partner, Randy. <laughs> we're gonna solve this murder, <laughs> then we're gonna do it. Take it easy, Randy. Um, no, I, uh, I'm not a very smart guy. I was kind of a dumb kid. And, uh, like, I always had trouble with math, like, uh, like the multiplication tables. So what I would do is I would associate the numbers with things that I knew. So, so take the problem, like, seven times seven. I would think seven castaways on Gilligan's Island. Who was the star of Gilligan's Island? Bob Denver. Denver's in Colorado. When you think of Colorado, what do you think of? Mountains. Mountains in Spanish is montañas, which is spelled the same as Montana. Who's the most famous Montana? Joe Montana, who played for? The 49ers, yeah. Yeah, That'll work for any math problem. Uh, I would do another one, but there's no no time. no, I, uh, I like to have fun, folks. Here's something fun you can do. Next time somebody calls you and it's the wrong number, here's what you do. They ask you for someone who isn't there, you ask them for someone who isn't there. <laughs> so like, is Bill there? Like, no, is Todd over there? Tommy, baby. Up here, baby. Did you get me calling him baby? Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be the kind of guy that could call someone baby. Do you have anything I can write on? Katie took my note. We have no paper? Give me that, uh, please, give me that flyer. That, yeah, that thing that you had. No, that's beautiful art. Oh, shit. Oh, here's an envelope. Boom. Thomas. All right. You're the, you're the, you're the, you're the last guest at Nerdist. Oh, really? Oh, that's, uh, wow. I've never performed here. <laughs> I'm the last person. Well, you're the la- you've never performed stand-up here. Uh-uh. Uh, well, you're, you know, if it means anything, That's something. we've done, you know, four, I sound like an old man, trying to make you, uh, rich people and magicians do this. They try and make you feel special about something you don't care about. Like, uh-huh. and you realize you could have picked any card, right? And I'm trying to be like, this is the <laughs> the last one and we've done here, which means a lot to me, which probably doesn't mean anything to you. Uh no, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably means zero. Uh, well, that's cool. I know this is a hip place. Did you hear? What do you mean? 
I've heard it's hip. Are you a fear? Are you fearful of the hip? Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> For you, because yeah. you're a great comic. It's like you and like I remember Nate Bargatze. I, I tried to bring him to UCB, uh-huh. and he wouldn't go down the stairs. This is years ago. <laughs> now he does it all the time. Right, right. But he wouldn't go down the stairs. It was trying to like call a cat in from the rain. But like a feral cat. Right. And Nate is like the funniest guy in the oh world. Oh my god. I saw him last week. And Irvine. you're super yeah. funny. But uh you don't so you do you resist uh No, I've tried to get in here and nobody'd return my emails or anything, so I, I think I got a little bitter toward it. Yeah, but you're you're a smart fella. You you wrote that wonderful article about like what you've learned in stand up. Right, right, right. And is it like showing up and just hanging out, that's how you get booked. Yeah, well, I think part of it was if... if you know how many uh, emails I get that are like, can I do your podcast? Although it worked. Yeah, it did work. You emailed me. I did email. See, I didn't <laughs> I, re- I didn't ignore your emails. It was it hard worked. to book. Yeah, yeah. We had to go back and forth a lot. And I don't want to Pete-splain anything. Jesus. <laughs> I just, it just breaks my heart when good comics think that they're not welcome in yeah. the cool places. Yeah, I the probably should have come cool down. Yeah. Oh, I don't Because I know Kumail. What a terrible place to start with me correcting <laughs> correcting your behavior. Yeah. You you probably you know yeah. so many things that I don't know. All I'm I'm really just paying you a compliment. You would have oh. crushed here. Damn it. And it's wooden. You know what I mean? It's wooden right, walls. Right. It bound it reverberates. Yeah. No, I love like the basement sort of vibe. I like totally. shows that aren't uh They would have loved you. Now it just sucks. Now you're just sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just made you sad. I blew it. <laughs> you didn't blow it? No. But uh, uh, there's other places, other wonderful – UCB, do you do UCB ever? Uh, nope. Uh, I did uh, – I think I did a couple shows in New York and then I did uh, – I, I don't even know. Is, is there stand-up out? I don't even know if UCB does stand-up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh sure, that's where I'm at. That's um, but it was yeah. that, that that's let, let's uh, let's reframe this. Uh-huh. What are you doing if you're not doing those things? Those are the things that I do. What do you do? I'm interested. I perform in the suburbs. Um, no, I do. I just uh, <laughs> I perform in the suburbs. <laughs> People get me. Well, you do a lot of well. Th- see that I, I feel like anybody could get you. You're 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 you remind me of Brian Regan in a in a good way. Oh yeah, I'm a big Brian Regan guy. Do you get that from time to time? Here and there, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, because I'm silly. Well, I'm a Steve Martin fan. Me too. So, yeah, he's my fave. Oh, he's, yeah. And yeah. I believe Brian Regan's a Steve Martin fan. Yeah, yeah. Brian Regan loved it. Yeah. So I mean, like, I I took Steve Martin's master class when there was no master class. <laughs> like just the I, albums. Just sitting through going through microfiche of Rolling Stone articles and yeah. Time magazine and just. Learning everything from him. Me too. Yeah, I I really did buy like the old issues of Rolling Stone. Yeah. on on uh, eBay, mm-hmm. and I love that they gave him a bad review, and then they gave at him the, the ice cover. house. Yeah, <laughs> well, I believe yeah. his record got a bad review. Oh I'm really? Not even sure. Oh, I'm pretty wow. sure they gave his record like one and a half stars or something. Right, and then like the next year he was on the cover. Right, and I always love that. That's why I always think it's always perspective. It's always like, oh it's no, right. no, this guy is cool now. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. He kind of found a way to break through that he, right. I don't think he changed just the zeitgeist changed yeah he was so smart I He's, mean who would think that that was the way to go is, I, oh, oh go ahead oh no no I got, I got nothing Tom you're the guy <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you good to see you I laughed right when I saw you <laughs> <laughs> just hanging out in a comic book store. He's just a man in a store. Some people are just like, look at that man in a store. He doesn't belong. Really? He belongs on the stage. Oh. Get that man on the stage. <laughs> it's like the girl gets discovered at the malt shop. And yeah, I would have discovered you at a malt shop. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're closing it down. I so. f- this place, yeah. Well, well, there's still plenty of 
if you wanted to branch out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that you – I don't know. That, that's a big belief for me. I feel like you're – so you do a lot of road. We could talk uh, about Steve Martin more too. I have more on that. No, I think uh, – Well, I, don't let me tell you what you do. You just – you said <laughs> suburbs and that makes me think road. No, I live out in Agora now, which is you know about – 30 minutes outside of LA. So uh-huh. my wife and I do some shows like in Thousand Oaks. and She's a comedian? She's a comedian as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she started about five years ago. Um, well, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, you're, you've been doing it. 20 years. 20 yeah. years, and then you, 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 you took a little sapling. <laughs> you're like a great oak tree with a little right. sapling, and you're like, yeah, this will this will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I think She's motivated me. She's like... Uh, revitalize my perspective right? on comedy like i did conan probably uh, like two and a half years ago and it was like and i had kind of given up on like <laughs> anything happening because i had uh i was just nothing was really happening so i was like i didn't know what to do and she just said well you know just email the booker and keep trying it was sort of like how i booked this like i just kept yeah on it and and i think that's the key with with all this is you gotta if you have a goal in mind you just gotta keep pushing and pushing and pushing until yeah and you gotta have the chops but i can't remember if i because i don't really know you mm-hmm. <laughs> not, yeah. not in a bad way no we only met uh Briefly. i met you when you first started in chicago okay and, and like and you said we go ahead and we, I think, I don't, I'm not sure when you started. I thought it was 99, 2000, something like that. But Chicago? In Chicago. It was 2000. 2000, yeah. yeah. And I remember <laughs> you bought my, I sold a CD. 2001, maybe, sorry. Yeah. And you bought my CD, which was uh, the potato song where I sang about a potato. I bought it? You bought it. <laughs> like, I don't, you're just being nice and you paid, I charged like five bucks for it. Really? That's, yeah. That's kind of a sweet story. But uh, yeah. did you sing the potato song at the line? Yeah, thing? yeah. Yeah, maybe it was the Lions Den. Oh, I, wow. I forget where it was. It wasn't like Zany's, but I remember we met and we we just uh you know, you're very nice and you we talked and then you you sent me an email with like uh some bits you were doing. Really? And, like, and they were like MP3s, like early MP3s, no. like so I had to like download them. <laughs> And uh, four hours later, the only one I remember was the Incredible Hulk. Something about the Incredible oh, Hulk, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is a funny bit." Very Brian Regan. It was very Brian Regan. It was the idea. Well, CGI was worse back then, and everybody hated the Hulk movie because Hulk looked fake. Uh huh. And it was Hulk is fake. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the idea. Was like, right? He's not a real guy. And uh, they could have made him red and given him dreadlocks and shoot a laser out of his penis and all that <laughs> right. sort of stuff. Just be like, yeah, we're just – oh, that was the Brian Regan punchline is I go, it's like they're just making this stuff up. <laughs> uh, which to me, you know, that's an early premise when you take something that's like, is that really – you know, which is fine. Right, it just was asking a question. It's yeah, like, I got you. <laughs> he is fake. But that's a very accessible right. sort of premise. Yeah, uh, so we emailed, and I th- and I think I said, oh, yeah, I like the Incredible Hulk thing, and then uh, and then yeah, and then I was then I remember you said you were going to New York. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna eat you alive! <laughs> <In New York. laughs> I couldn't believe you were leaving. Like, I so was that like, must have been two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, Nate Bargatze. I had actually spoken to his stand up class around that same time too. So I met Nate as well. Nate moved after me. Yeah, yeah. See, I was. It's a uh, wow. We haven't talked about Burger King in, in a while, but Burger King always opens where McDonald's is are. Uh-huh. So like, 
I I forget who I got the idea to move to New York from the movie Comedian. Oh wow! Remember that? Yeah, yeah. We all saw that in the same theater, same matinee opening day, and the lights came up. It was all these comedians I knew, <laughs> and I was like, "That's it! I gotta I gotta move to New York." And then I moved, and then Nate moved, and then Kumail moved. Kumail had to wait for his work visa. Okay, but like Nate, Nate told me I think on this podcast he was like, "That was like okay, I'm gonna copy him." Like we were all copying each oh, other wow. in different ways. Yeah. But Nate and I were similar because we were clean and mm-hmm. kind of sweet guys, right. uh, certainly sweet guys. And in that scene, you were right. It was a little bit trickier. Did you ever consider going to well, – tell me your story. I don't even know. Well, I started in Milwaukee. Uh-huh. I I, uh, I took a comedy class up in Milwaukee with Dobie Maxwell, if oh, you remember wow, Dobie. of course. And, uh, and then I just – The Count of Mailing Crisco? <laughs> oh, God. Do you know that story? Yes, he mailed uh, – <laughs> He got fucked over by some booker, right? And then he and the booker had a heart attack, and then Dobie apparently mailed him a bucket of Crisco, right? Yeah. Like, like a care package of all like bacon and Crisco. Yeah, yeah it, was, um, like, it was a good idea. Um, <laughs> it? No, that's terrible. It's a, he's the king of. I remember hearing that, and I was like, "Yeah, I get it." I'm not a revenge person, though. Right? I, like I've never been like, "Good, you got right. him." But I understand that his feelings were hurt because I think he had a benefit for him and then the booker kept the money. That's the story that I heard. Okay. Yeah. He was mad. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's funny. This will make a great story for you, but it's not going to help your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, I did that. But he's great. I mean, Dobie was great. I opened for him at Riddles. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Barrel of Laughs. (laughs) It was Bill Bill Brady's. Bill Brady doing a tight 40 (laughs) of only crowd work. Uh, I believe Stan Stankos was doing a guest spot. Stan Stankos. I still remember his opening bit. He goes like, I saw a vanity plate on the way up here. It said cutie pie. Pull around and look in the window. Apparently she was borrowing the car. <laughs> funny joke. And then I went up and uh, and then Dobie. And Dobie got like, he killed so hard. Right. Uh, I just remember he wrote I, I gave him this compliment I was like you write applause breaks really well like he writes these bits that kind of like crescendo right right and like you stick the landing like every everyone even if you're like blackout drunk knows the bit is over <laughs> and you're like yeah you know what I mean right he did that a lot yeah yeah not a, not a it was a good thing I'm not putting him down yeah I wish I could get applause breaks like that sure yeah. <laughs> well, I'll work on it get in here and then well they're shutting this down yeah alright this is this is me life coaching you now right you gotta get the all team, baby. <laughs> um, go, go on. Um, so you started in Milwaukee. You took Dobie's comedy class. Right. And then I started. How perf- many people were in that class? I think there was maybe 13 people. That's pretty good. 13. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty. And then I, I did the showcase and I killed. Like, I'll just say it. I killed. Um, so it felt like really good. I was like, oh, my God, this is so easy. Like, how can I never not kill? Because uh, I just thought you just say the same words over and over again. Right, was, you have it. I was so like new to comedy. I really thought you could just say the same thing. You have the and formula. It, it's like yeah. playing a song. Right. You just play the hit. Right. Yeah. And then I, I remember going up and just to nothing. And Where? No, I went up at the safe house in Milwaukee, which was like the open mic scene. Um, you know, I started in, in Milwaukee. So I was there. Dan Harmon was there as oh, well. Wow. Dan Harmon was my improv teacher at one point. No way. Yeah, yeah. So, and Rob Schraub. And we were all in this improv group called the Dead Alewives. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So we were, yeah. So we were, uh, so I would go at the safe house and there were no comics. There was like six comics in Milwaukee. So it was like, I just went up all the time. Jim and Rule? Was Jim, Jim Rule. Jim Rule started a little bit wait, after wait, me. Don't tell me his name. 
there was a guy, it's something like, oh, it sounds like a stage name. It's like Fitz. Fitz? Fitz. Uh, there is a guy Fitzy? Named, there's Fritz, but he's Fritz. in Chicago. Fritz. Yeah, Fritz. Fritz and I did the comedy cafe together. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fritz. Fritz. I just worked with Fritz at a, at a country club. Fritz. And, yeah. Still at it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. He's That's still great. Um, yeah, so we, uh, so I was, so there was no, I think I liked Milwaukee because there was no, uh, there was nobody policing people on how to do comedy. So like there could be some guy who was doing street jokes and there could be somebody like me and I was like doing weird like sort of Andy Kaufman stuff where I was singing like a song in Spanish <laughs> and telling a joke that went nowhere. <laughs> and and nobody said like, oh, you're doing it wrong or this is how you should do it. So I think that helped me a lot early on because I didn't really know what I was doing. Wait, what helped you out? Not knowing what you were doing? Not knowing what I was doing and just sort of do not not having any – I don't know, like just sort of like hey, you're doing it wrong. Like I feel like out here, people will say like you're, that's not the way you're supposed to do stand up. And I feel like in Milwaukee, there was no no scene. There was no scene. That's yeah. what Chicago was like, kind yeah. of in the good way. Right, right. Like you could just kind of do what you wanted. But that sounds. I'm not going to keep pushing this alt thing. But that sounds decidedly alty. Yeah, I would say it's a little alty. But but we would let the people that did street jokes, and we didn't care that they were doing street jokes. It was like, oh, it's, that's the guy who does street jokes. It was like an 80-year-old guy who used to go up, and he would tell dirty dirty jokes, dirty yeah. street jokes. And I was like, I mean, that's funny. It's that's like, what Gilbert Godfrey does. Right. <laughs> he's made a, quite a career out of yeah. telling street jokes. His name was Fritz, I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, wait, Gilbert's name was Fritz? No, no, the old 80-year-old guy. No, Fritz, two Fritzes? I think it was like Meyer Fritzberg. Meyer, I don't know. Or it was Meyer Rubinsky. Forget I used it. to do a lot of shows in Milwaukee with John Roy, too. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. Would, I would be jealous because um, in the paper, they didn't show photos of the MC. Right, right. So it would be like the Comedy Cafe and it would have a, fo- a little photo of the middle. So it would be uh-huh. John. And then a big photo of like uh, – <laughs> trying to remember who, I had, who was headlining. Oh, Jim Florentine did it once. Oh, know, really? Jim. Yeah, yeah. And then Dr. Dirty. Oh, my God. Do you know Dr. Dirty? John Valby, I think. John yeah. Valby. <laughs> he kind of looks like George Carlin a little right, bit. Right, right. Yeah, he was really nice. Yeah. And stayed at that shitty-ass condo. Oh, God, with like eight TVs there and like there 20 so, couches. So and... many carpets. Yeah, just like so much carpeting <laughs> just and so time. many stains and that bed. Ugh. You probably know the condo at uh, Comedy on uh, – no, what is it? What is the uh, one? Zane's? Appleton. Oh, yeah, Appleton. They yeah. always kept that one. <laughs> I like the owner's mom cleans the condo. Yeah. <laughs> and the feet, and the MC bedroom didn't have a door. Right, right. It was just a curtain. Right. And I forget who it is. Somebody had a story about like listening to the MC having all the sex with people. Because <laughs> like, he didn't have a door. He's just fucking in the living room, basically. <laughs> right, because there's with like a, a little balcony. Yes. Uh, and they built a little wall. <laughs> Boy, that I remember getting to Appleton – and that was one of the – I think that was the last, like, condo I stayed in. Right. Not that it was bad. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. I, I got there and I was just like, oh, no. I was like <laughs> – I think I immediately went out and bought, like, a handle of vodka because I was like, if I'm oh going to stay here, I'm going to have to be drunk at night. Like, I can't <laughs> – really? Like, I didn't, like, get fucked up every sure. night. But if I can't – I don't like drinking at the club. Right. It's going to – like, I'm like, how does that go well? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd come back. No one else was staying there and I was like – Laptop, vodka, because <laughs> it was too sad. Right. It was depressing. Yeah, and I, they still got the condo there. Of course. Yeah. I don't want a bad mouth. It is a great club. Yeah, it the is. The condo it's, itself is, you know. Yeah, it's, a, it's an apartment. It's uh, basic. Yeah. But it was also lonely. No one else was there. I'm, uh, I'm assuming when you go 
uh, last time you've been somewhere like that, there was other comics there, which I think would yeah, know, yeah, make like, it not necessary to drink alone. Right. <laughs> not that that's necessary, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I did. I, I just feel really naive about the whole business. Like I was just like, oh, it's cool. We got a, a dude. Me apartment. too. At the beginning, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I thought the condo at the comedy cafe was awesome. Yeah, just because you had your own bedroom and you were doing comedy. Right. I, I'm saying later. It wasn't even that long ago. I went to that condo and I was like, I think I just need to get a sh- cheap yeah. hotel or something. Right. <laughs> like I, I, I don't want to be in the condo. Yeah. Even I, I, I still, I still will just stay at the condo. I guess I don't know. I, oh, there's, I, there's no judgment. I just <laughs> yeah, yeah. alone in a condo. I was like, at least in a hotel, there's the person in the lobby saying hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a little bit of humanity. You, you call s- down to the front yeah, desk. Yeah, just ask for the wake up call, but you chat a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Headed to bed now. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not a snobby thing. It was probably just the solitude of it was just right. too much for me. Um, so, but you know, starting in Milwaukee, you had not a lot of comics, but there were a lot of rooms. Yeah, yeah. There was three comedy clubs. There was the uh, there was, and then plus Madison plus Appleton. So, like in Milwaukee, there was uh, Funny Business, which became Stooges. There was a comedy cafe, and then there's uh, uh, the com- the club comedy. <laughs> I love they just changed the – they just switched it around, club comedy. Is, uh, yeah. But club comedy would get like – you'd get like Carl LeBove there. Billy Gardell would perform there. So you'd got – it was uh, the downtown club. But I, I never really performed there. But the uh, Funny Business and Stooges was my place. And, and I remember seeing uh, – I remember seeing Craig Robinson and Dr- Dwayne Kennedy there the first time. Yeah. And I mean I was just like – Oh my! Like Dwayne these. was the hero of the scene. I didn't see Craig very often. Yeah, but I saw Dwayne Kennedy, and we were all like, "Holy shit!" Because he was like one of the first really smart comics, that right? I saw right. That was doing something that was truly unique. Yeah, and and even Craig, I mean Craig with his keyboards, and he'd spend the first five minutes untangling the cord and <laughs> yeah. giving the crowd angry looks. So yeah, just like trying to plug it in. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like. Like to me, it was just like I've never, I'd never seen that from a, yeah. especially a black comic who was just sort of doing this right. odd it performance. Was, dude, I judge Craig Robinson so unfairly because uh-huh. he had a keyboard. Right, right. It didn't matter that he was black or white. It was just like this fucking guy has a keyboard. What a hack! Right. Like that's that's kind of the snobbiness uh, that we kind of had at the Lions Den. We learned to shed that over the years more and more right. because he'd just destroy. Yeah. I remember he was playing the piano. I was open for him in Schaumburg. Remember there was that club right. that was called the Laugh Spot? Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened for him in Schaumburg. And he sat down and he just starts playing the piano and he goes, you ever see someone have, you ever have someone show you a photo of you mm-hmm. and you're wearing the same outfit? Right, right. <laughs> and, <laughs> He did it so slowly and with music under it, and it just destroyed. And I was like, oh, there's all different kinds of amazing. Right, right. It doesn't matter that he was playing a keyboard. Yeah. I think that's why I like watching Andy Kaufman and Steve Martin early on. I was like, oh, anything. You can do anything on stage. Right, right. And as long as it's funny and and I don't know. I I think that helped me early on. I, I, I wanted to bring the guitar into my act, but I always wanted to wait until I had like 30 solid minutes before i did it because i didn't want to like lean on it lean on it so so i i had to, i played the guitar for a while in my act and yeah. I still do here and there and did you get down to chicago i mean i waited until about uh, i was like three years into it and i met uh mick bettencourt yeah i think mick bettencourt saw me at the safe house and he's like you got to come down to chicago and he booked a show at the morseland music room which is how i met like him and john roy and mike lucas and Dwayne kennedy come on 
That's my John Ryan impression. Come on. You think they're really eating an Enchirito? It's a solid John Ryan. <laughs> uh, go on. But yeah, so I would I went down there, and that was like a whole different world to me because I was like, this is like the big time to me. That was like, because yeah. I mean, watching Mike Lucas, who I think had just done the Tonight Show, and then Dwayne, and like, yeah, I felt like if you had a credit, Jesus, yeah, please. yeah, especially yeah in Chicago because at that time I was like, who the hell's seeing you? Well, John won Star Search. We all yeah, yeah. erupted in applause when he walked into the open mic the next Monday. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was he was. Uh, it was I mean, very exciting. But yeah, I mean, I would see, and then I started. You know, I saw. Kyle Kinane, one of Kyle Kinane's first sets, and yeah. Mike O'Connell. When he and, looked like a skinhead? Yes. yes. Yeah, skinhead Kinane. <laughs> looked like he's in a band or now something. Now he looks yeah. like a guy who hunts skinheads. <laughs> <laughs> but before he wore, he wore like a flight jacket and it had those like really long sideburns. He right, looked right. like a skinhead. Right, right. Like I'm from Boston. I'm like, oh, there's a skinhead. <laughs> like I didn't go like, there's a guy who looks like a skinhead. I was like, I'd keep uh, the Jews away from this guy. Like he does not look friendly to other races. <laughs> <laughs> I like you saying that. I'd keep the Jews away from <laughs> <laughs> It was a <laughs> yeah, but I'm making fun of the potential of racism. I said I think that's okay. That's fine. Uh, so anyway, you're saying, um, yeah. So I would that see, was the big time. Yeah, so I, I saw. So yeah, and then I would go to uh, the elevated, uh, yeah, which was Red. another. Yeah, Kane Collier, man. Yeah, this is a blast. This yeah. is, I'm having a good time. This is a blast <laughs> from the past. That was a good room. That yeah. was an alt room, right? And that, you know that was saying? a tough room for me to get into too. And, and yeah, uh, but and B- Bang Balutansky. I remember Bang Balutansky. No, you don't I remember think, Bang? I think if I met someone named Bang, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would remember. It sounds he, like an appetizer at the cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> I remember he did a set one night blindfolded to prove that like he could rely on his other senses. I don't know what the hell the purpose was, That's but he's so funny. Yeah, but sight isn't one of no, the No, that's why it was senses. so stupid. Right. That is funny. I, I one time thought about doing stand-up with uh, those, ear, like, uh, you know, noise-canceling right, right. headphones. But, you know, the kind they use for airplanes, so you mm-hmm. can't hear the audience. That, I feel like, is a oh, challenge. Oh, that's a funny. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you can't right. tell if, if you're doing well. <laughs> you have to just look at them. Right. <laughs> I bet. I hate gimmicky stand-up. Meaning, if someone forced me to do that. Like, it's a high-concept show. You have to be blindfolded. Like, we roll a die. And you're either blindfolded, you can't hear, or you can't speak. I'm like, well, stand-up's hard enough. Right, right. Like, why are we giving a handicap <laughs> right. to something that's already incredibly difficult? Right. Are you going to break into a bank <laughs> with one eye? Like, I, we don't need that. It's already very impressive that you can do it. Yeah, it was... Uh, but yeah, I loved the elevated. It was... Uh, yeah. with uh, and, and then, so... And then I, that 98, I also... I got into Zanies finally. I, Frank Caliendo, was, who was one of the comics in Milwaukee yeah. around the same time I was, he took me to Zanies and I auditioned for Bert and I mm-hmm. got in and Bert thought I was kind of weird and unique, so... I auditioned for Dan Carlson for the Chicago Comedy Festival, so this was like '98, and then I got into that, which mm. was which was huge because then I saw, you know, Mitch Hedberg and Doug Stanhope and oh, all wow. these like. Do you have any good Hedberg stories? I mean, those I, those are rare. Just that he was nice. He's so. I worked with him at the cafe in Milwaukee, and I and I had a, like a, a very weird act, and I remember I was doing. <laughs> this bit where I told a joke wrong and I would screw up all the details of the joke and I'd be like, no, he's Irish. No, German, German. And then I would screw up all the details. And I got to the end of the joke and no laughs. And then you just heard Mitch in the back and go, that's ridiculous. <laughs> 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 and the crowd, and he killed. He killed with that line. And, uh, <laughs> and it saved, saved the bit. Um, 
but he was so nice and i met him again in montreal around i did montreal in 2004 and i did montreal was a nightmare for me i didn't i didn't do well you so you got new faces i did new faces and oh four and (laughs) mitch was there and i remember this is right after he had his his toe amputated um, oh, he did have a toe amputee. I always yeah. thought that was a rumor. No, no. I, and so he was walking with a cane, and I remember I was walking, and I remember the night before I had met some agents, and like they were very like standoffish with me, and he was walking with those same agents, and he like made it a point to introduce me. You know, he's like, hey, this is Tom Clark. He's really funny. Like right. He remembered me, and this was like two years later, and like I didn't talk to him ever or anything, and he just right. – remembered me and he said tom come here and he like waved me over and then introduced me to the agent <laughs> and he sort oh, of begrudgingly right. shook my hand yeah uh but that's you know that to me was like the best thing to come out of montreal for me was that mitch remembered me oh know? that's so sweet yeah but what happened in montreal i just didn't uh i i i just didn't new faces like four shows or something yeah i think i well, i did three shows, three I, remember, shows. I remember i did my warm-up set and the flight of the concords were on this warm-up set we were at like the comedy zone like there was yeah. like a comedy zone yeah. up there and i was like i felt bad for them because they were a guitar act and i was like oh these poor guys yeah. they're gonna get eaten alive and i like introduced myself to brett i think it was and i was like oh well, what's your name and talk to him and i I felt like I was doing them a favor. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, what do you guys do? What kind Dude, of It goes do? back to me with Craig and the keyboard. Craig is huge. The right, right. are huge. Right. So funny. Poor guy's got to play a guitar. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, you have to follow me. <laughs> and they're foreigners. Good yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're going to eat you alive at this festival, buddies. Uh, and, and then and then they, they didn't do well at the show. It was like a club and people didn't get no it. No one does well at that warm-up spot. Yeah. That's why, that's why they do it at that club, I feel like, is because it's like it's not going to go well. Right. And then your showcase will go better than that. Oh, boy. It's almost yeah. like bad dress rehearsal, good opening night. You right, know, right. Heard that? Yeah. I always – because we'd all do shit. They'd, put, they'd be like 15 comics on the show. You're right. up in the middle – these poor people have been kind of like hijacked into like a, a too long show or whatever it is. I don't know if that's yeah, a problem. Yeah, there's a lot of acts. But there's you know? a problem. Yeah. Like whatever it is, there's a problem. And it's a very unaccommodating like green room. Welcome back to Pete Complains About Condos and Green Rooms. <laughs> but I'm just saying like you have to be upstairs in uh-huh. this like green room and then you have to go down like a, a rather cold and kind of echoey stairwell to get to the overpacked showroom so there's right. nowhere to watch yeah you can't be in the room until it's your set so you can't really you know assess the situation right you know if you stand down there you're in the way so you can't go like oh i, I maybe you could speak to this like the audibles that you have to call when you watch your opener you go like oh it seems like maybe this crowd wants it slower or faster or right. dirtier or cleaner or whatever it might be yeah. Um, well, I think that was my problem is I didn't call any audibles. I was still sort of in like, this is my, this is a sec- six or seven minute set that got me into Montreal. This is the set I'm going to do. Right. And I remember watching. So I, so the Comedy Zone show was whatever. It was fine. It wasn't mm-hmm. great. It wasn't bad. So then when I did the showcase, I remember Adam Ferrara was the host and he didn't, you know, he's he's a funny guy. He didn't do that well. Like the crowd was kind of, you know iffy and then a couple other people went up didn't you know pretty average and then i was like and i remember they said you could have any song you want play the band will play any song you want when mm. you go up there so i was like All there was right. a band there was a band yeah oh, wow. and i remember that i said i'll play a uh, ring of fire i was like by johnny cash <laughs> and i remember walking up and i remember just hearing just sounds it wasn't even it did not resemble they didn't ring do of well fire. with ring of fire no 
So that Which was like, sounded yeah. like hell. And I think like now I would like make fun of that. I would like spend two minutes of my set of making fun of it because yeah. it's like that was awful. And I didn't acknowledge it. And I just like launched into my set. And I think like, you know, if I had a couple more years experience, I would have addressed Caught, yeah. it, made fun of it. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And I, and I wish – and I think I just was like – and I remember one guy did a joke about – how Texas and Montreal are the same. Like they're both trying to like leave their countries, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, pretty, it was just a local joke, but it killed. And yeah. from that point on, he crushed Murdered. his set. Just something that says I'm here too. Right. Yeah. And I, and like now I, I always try to do that when I'm performing in a new yeah. place, just because I think it also warms you up. Even if it's not that funny, at least you're taking a risk. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it, it adrenalizes you. Yeah. It sort of wakes you up. And I, and I think that, I didn't do well, and I just remember just, just oh god! It's just I remember the Booker of the festival or whoever it is. He's just like, what was that? I was like, what was he that? Said that? Yeah, yeah, something awful. Oh, so you like really got it, nothing? Just yeah. I mean, I, it's like, I'm sorry it's to make was, you relive. No, this. no, like, it's, it's like it's interesting watching you play back the footage. It's right, not, right. It can't be fun, and that's not the point of this podcast. <laughs> I can still picture like the two people in the front row, like that. I can I can just remember their faces, just sort of oh, like yeah. smiling, and then sort of like what's happening? You know, like I still remember faces. They right. haunt. They haunt me <laughs> like a hitman and the faces of the people you've killed. Right. I'm haunted by the faces of people I bombed for. <laughs> Right, just yeah. the, like you're they're, like they're your parents or something, and you're just disappointed them. Yeah. Like, oh, you're looking for it. Mm, yeah. yeah, I remember in Peoria seeing a guy in the audience who looked kind of like me, and it was like bombing for myself. And he he was just this big oaf, and he was just like, "What?" Right. Like, he right. said so lovingly, almost like, "What?" Almost like Hedberg going like, "That's ridiculous." That's ridiculous. Just like, yeah. "What are you saying?" Yeah. Like you, when you're starting in stand up, a lot of times you don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> So, like, what is, like, a pretty good heckle. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah. you didn't do well. The booker even said, is that Jeff Singer at the time? No, no. no it was Evie Rajiv or something like that. I don't and know. she was yeah, He, it was a man. He, excuse me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Evie, in my defense. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like it could man. go either way. Yeah, it could go either but way. But I remember, like, getting, like, hugs from people at Comedy Central. It almost felt like the mob when they, before they kill you where they're just like – it was like the kiss goodbye. Yeah. Like it was great working with you. <laughs> we'll, oh we'll never God. be talking to you again. So it just felt, and then, then that could just be me again internalizing. How something. did you deal with that? Uh, what does Tom Clark do when he bombs? I, I felt very sorry for myself, uh, and and the other thing is they 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 put us in a in a university dorm. They didn't put us up at a hotel because they wanted to keep new faces secret. So they put us in. It was like the first year they tried putting them like in the yeah down the street. Yeah, yeah, or up the street. So you're kind of just alone in this dorm room. I remember. And luckily, my brother her is. His wife, uh, her family lived out there. So, like, I just spent the next day just touring around Montreal with them mm. and didn't do anything at the festival. <laughs> like, I just got away from it. Mm. And then I came back the next night and I did a show and it was good. But at that point, it, it didn't really matter because it wasn't really, like, the the main show, I guess. I guess that first show was the show that was sort of, like, all the industry was there. And the second show was fine. I didn't feel good. It just felt like, oh, I didn't. I redeemed myself, but it didn't feel like I crushed or anything. Yeah, so that was it. I had, I think I had two shows, and and that was it. And and uh, I just, uh, I remember I was watching the British Office. That's all I had. So I would watch that on DVD, and 
and just watched all the episodes by myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I remember, then, yeah, Rescue Me was my road show. Oh, yeah. I would get DVDs of Rescue Me and just binge it. Before <laughs> binging was a thing. Comics were binging before everybody. Right, right. Like, would have like eight hours to kill. Right. Before some <laughs> set. Oh, my God. You're bringing me back. I remember my new phase. I, I also didn't do well one of the shows, but they were all in the same venue. We had... We had three, well, yeah, between the Comedy Zone, I think Club Soda was one, and then there was a third one that was somewhere else. Well, we had the warm-ups, and then I, uh, I just remember, and then the standout was Kumail. Okay. And I think I was like you, and that I was like, I have my set, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my set. But then I was fortunate that, like, Kumail kind of set the example. He got drunk one of the shows. He went up. He was heckled. You're supposed to do, like, seven minutes, and he did 15. Oh, my God. And everyone was, like buzzing about how amazing Kumail was. Wow. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's weird in this... Ugh, I don't even like saying in this business, but in this business, there's, like, the right time. That's one of those lessons I had to learn. Like, in high school, mm-hmm. you figure out which classes you can be late for. Right. Like, in stand-up, I, I figure, like, part of it is figuring out, like, which rules you can bend because mm-hmm. Kumail like bent the right rule right. and created like a good I don't even like the word buzz I'm making myself nauseous <laughs> but it's like he did people were talking about this amazing set and I was like deeply jealous mm-hmm. but then he liberated me to be like okay you don't have to start you just do well right isn't that kind of like a funny lesson? like just do well right but you and I, I think we're similar in that, like, I had my opener, mm-hmm. and then you would watch people struggling, and just one admittance of where you are, how you felt, how the show was going. Right. Like, I, like you said now, like, Ring of Fire would be a gift. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh, of great. course you drop your, like, my name's Tom Clark, sounds like Bum Rark, or whatever. <laughs> you drop that in favor, that's just made up, You obviously. You drop that in favor of what the hell was that? Right, right. Everyone would die. Yeah. Because that's, that's one of my big theories of stand-up now is they're actually – the art form is being there. Mm-hmm. It's like offering your presence right. to the show, making it a live show and catering it to them. And when I was – it sounds like we were the same. Starting out, you think it's the words. Mm-hmm. You're like, I got to get these jokes out. And it's like, right. no, they actually want to see if you're really there. Right. Even someone like Hedberg – I only say that because he was a one-liner guy. Mm-hmm. Was there. Right. Like when you listen to strategic grill locations, he's constantly calling out like, that's the same joke just with different <laughs> ingredients. Right, right. That was ridiculous. You know, like he's calling, I'm open micing it on my CD. <laughs> We're going to add laughs later. I'm right, going to make right. it sound like you guys laughed at some stupid shit. Yeah. Like he's there. Mm-hmm. That took me 10, maybe more years to figure out. Maybe 15 years. It yeah. took me that long to figure out. It's not your opener or your airtight closer. It's being there. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Or oh, do yeah. you agree? Oh, I totally agree. I think it's 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 not about the jokes. The jokes. Uh, right. If you lose, yeah. If if they like you, like you can take them anywhere. That's, That's right. the best feeling in the world when you can just riff and like go off on tangents and they go yeah. with you. Like, yeah. But you know, what I, are you? Oh, go ahead. No, I yeah. But I, that's sort of the. The problem sometimes with doing the road is you you get into like if it's not a if it's not a room that you're you feel you're good Dude, at. I complete that is the feeling to me of stand up and doing the road. So we had similar upbringings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning, I'm out of Chicago. We're driving to the same places. You drive right. to South Bend. You drive to Lyle, Illinois. You know, you're going yeah. to these certain places. 
Lyle was fine, close enough to a city, but like you start getting out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. The feeling I still can make myself feel sick thinking about like certain towns where you're just like these people don't want me. Right. They don't like me. They don't care what's special about me. Mm-hmm. They're not coming out to see me. Right. And you just have to like this is like the real athletics of stand up. Right. You just have to win them over. Right. And after the eight o'clock shows one over, you gotta win the ten. Yeah. It's it's like starting back over. To one, yeah. You're back to one. <laughs> what did you learn about that? I mean you're you're very good at it, I have to imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, well, I'll, this is a story of, of performing like in a place where you don't, you, no one it's wants not, you. Yeah, no one wants you. And I, it was like a, uh, a you know, it was like a, a Yoder gig, and we went Yoder to, gig, <laughs> and we uh, where the hell were we? Oh, Dubuque, Iowa. It was that a place called like the, it. that. Sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> that's a place things don't go right. Uh, Yoder gig, the Brass Ring. It was called the Brass Ring, wow. and it was like turned into a where dance comics club go to retire. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> and I remember. A woman coming up to me and telling me how bad I had done, but not realizing I was the one who was on stage. So she was saying, like, oh, that last, that first comic was horrible. I was like, yeah, I know. He's really bad. What is with that potato song? She's like, I know. It was so long. And we were just talking. You went with it. Yeah, yeah. And then then somebody, like, walked up to her and she's like, that's the comic. She's like, oh. And then she didn't even phase it. She's like, yeah, you weren't very good. I was like, okay. Wow. (laughs) Excuse me while I throw up. Not the contents of my stomach, but my actual stomach. (laughs) Like, it'll be on the table like a a bag you make stuffing in. Yeah. That is... Horrible. Bill Burr had a story like that that broke my heart. It yeah. was at the Providence Comedy Connection. So simple, but it really encapsulates what it feels like to do comedy for 10, 15 years. Right. Is he just heard someone walking out saying that first guy was terrible. Right. And that's all it took was to like break your heart. You're already kind of going up. You know you're not that good. I'm not talking about you. But sure, when we're sure. starting out, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're all kind of agreeing to look the other way. On something that's just starting out. Right. So you're like, I know this isn't that great. I'm sorry. It's kind of an undercurrent of I'm sorry. I'll get better. (laughs) But then if you – we're so sensitive. On one hand, you can be so courageous. But on the other hand, to do it. Right. But then you've used all your courage to do it and you don't have any left over to face the toils and snares of some drunk woman who doesn't even understand that the first guy going up is the hardest position. Right. Like, you might have fucking loved me, you dope, if, like, <laughs> if the crowd was warm, right. if the potato song was a relief hitter or mm-hmm. a relief pitcher, I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. sending in the odder guy. Uh-huh. Some comics are just only funny if they're seventh on a lineup. Right. You When you want the palate cleanser, you want the weirdo, you want to open with the guy that's like, all right, Montreal, it's a lot like Texas, but then sometimes the seventh guy... You want him to to tell a joke that has no meaning because you're a little tired right, of right. setup and punch. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that that guy's not good. But if you put that same person first, he's gonna bomb. Yeah. When I did my when I auditioned for Montreal, I still remember this guy. He opened up. His whole thing was almost like Natasha Leggero, but a man. Like he was wearing a smoking jacket. He uh-huh. had a pipe. He was pretending to be like bourgeois, uh-huh. and he just told like kind of street jokes, but kind of like from a snooty perspective. Right. And he ate shit. Was he funny? Hilarious. He was really funny. Right. But he ate shit because you motherfuckers put him first. Right. Who are these people <laughs> that are making these lineups that matter? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That guy could have got kicked in the nuts so hard that night. I hope he didn't. Then maybe he was like, well, it's not for me. Right. Well, yes, it is for you. I, have a, I, I care about us as a species. And right. it's like, protect that guy. 
When you saw him and booked him on the showcase, was he hosting? Right. Some of us host. Yeah. Not all of us host. Nate yeah. Bargatze, kind not a not a host energy. He's fucking <laughs> hilarious. But I was at the Boston with him in New York when he would host. Mm-hmm. I loved it. But it's not it's not the like, hey, how you got? Let's bring up the next guy. <laughs> Which is kind of what you want if the crowd sucks. Right. Nate Nate is is a better headliner than a host. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want a desperate headliner. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it fucking sucks sometimes. <laughs> no, it was uh yeah, that was brutal. It was uh but yeah, so I um so I think yeah, I don't know when I realized like that it wasn't what I'm saying. It, it's how you know it's right. me as right. a performer up there that that's what sells it, and that's also what makes me have fun on stage. Yeah, and I think I lost that for a few years where it did feel like I was just being sent out on the road, and I was just like doing mercenary work. Yeah, yeah, and it just didn't feel like a salesman. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're either a salesman or you're going there to merge with a group of people. Right. Like you're trying to take yourself somewhere too. Yeah. Jack Johnson did this podcast and he talked about closing his eyes when he sings because you, to give other people the chills, you have to feel them first. Mm-hmm. This, he didn't write the lyric. Forgive me. I'm forgetting who wrote it. Uh, but that's what the comic is doing. He's trying to go there with the audience right. to that magical place. Right. It's like being sexy. Being funny is like being sexy. Mm-hmm. Most people like are sexy after a glass and a half of wine in their favorite dress on a Saturday night and it's right. been a while. <laughs> That's when you feel sexy. We're trying to manufacture the feeling we got in our, child- our childhood basements playing Sega Genesis in our sleeping bags and had too much Coca-Cola and cookies. So we're like high and fucking right. around and we're trying to take that, not only hold on to it like a, like a fucking burning ember, we're trying to take that burning ember and bring it to Dubuque. Right. <laughs> That's the fucking art of it. Right. That's what Robert Klein says. It's like it's not about being funny. It's about being funny at 8.30 on Friday. Right. It's fucking difficult. Yeah. And like you said, not not having the material, like knowing – like that's that's one thing I always got early on in my career is like you're so committed to your material. And it's like there's no plan B. There's no there's right. no. What am I gonna do? Right. It's not like I'm gonna whip out my hilarious 15 minutes. Right. It's like this is the 15 minutes I have. Right. And it's part of this is the potato song for three minutes. Right. And you know it's and, a funny feeling, man. Again, Bill Burr when we were in Peoria. I was like, what do I do if a, bomb, if a joke bombs? He's like, just acknowledge it. And that is the correct advice if you're good yeah. and have other shit that's mm-hmm. strong enough to follow you admitting that the joke didn't do well. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like now you or I could do that. Well, that, that didn't go as I hoped. Right. And then you go, well, you go, well, at least I have that skateboard bit and that'll win them back. But when every bit you have is as strong <laughs> as the one that just bombed, right. calling out that it bombed might not help the next one because I'm pretty sure that one's going to bomb too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, you can't do it too early on in your act. Or you're yeah. Like, you, that's a one-time thing of like, oh, that didn't work. You're and pretending it. to be confident you're pretending to be a comedian right and that's sort of what i relied on early on was purposely pretending i'm bombing like telling the joke where i screw it up because it made me it put me more in a comfort zone because it was and it gave you control yeah yeah it made me feel better i still like the joke i still think it's funny it's just it's just a little long but i don't know it's one of those things i always think about (laughs) bringing back yeah yeah. and and where what are you doing now i'm assuming you work the road yeah, I work uh, – yeah, like I was just back at Zany's and, uh, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I, I don't go out – On Well Street, that one? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did Zany's on Well, and then they have Zany's Rosemont, uh, which is our new club. But, yeah, I mean I'm – I try to just – like in the last few years, I've just picked clubs that I like working. Or I try to pick clubs that I like working. So, um, but, you know, I only try to go out like a week 
out of the month. I don't I don't try to do a ton of stuff. I, I try to work around here as much as I can. Yeah. And more outside of LA, like I don't really come into LA very much. I do you know, I'll, I'll work out in Thousand Oaks or I'll work in Calabasas or these little suburban rooms or like country clubs or, or movie theaters, stuff like that. So it's a little bit of a different approach because I never was in at any of the clubs. So I don't know. It's it's. I feel like I'm doing it wrong, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's it's too late now. What do you mean? Uh, well, just like I, I feel like I should be. It's it's just hard. It's, I just feel like I should be networking more. Or I should be further along, or I should be somewhere. You know, I don't know. I. Because uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to just be doing more. I'd like to be acting. I'd like to be. Yeah, you're a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, you're very funny. I watched your reel. Yeah. And you're very good. Yeah. Thanks. I think you're hilarious. Yeah. And I just don't get the opportunities. I just, you know, I get an audition a year or something and, right. and I, I book it, but it's like it's not enough. You know, right. there's more opportunities. Because you got that corn fed thing. Right. I, not an insult. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I, one of them th- seemed to be like a Christopher Guest thing. I couldn't tell, or if it was just a Christopher Guest guy. Uh, you're being interviewed about your whales. Oh, yeah, yeah, with uh, John Michael Higgins. John Michael Higgins, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, so obviously it wasn't Christopher Guest, but it felt like a guest yeah, yeah. sort of thing. And those are hard to do. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to do. Uh, well, ahead. it's funny because y- actually the next time I saw you after all, after we worked together or after we met in Chicago was at. I was I booked outsourced NBC outs NBC's oh, outsourced. Yeah, I forgot. And you were a writer on it. Yeah. And I remember seeing you and I was like I hadn't seen you in years. I remember seeing you at the buffet table and you were just grabbing everything oh, on the course. table. Just and uh and I think you told me you wrote the line because we there was like a parody scene of a sexual harassment video. Yeah. And you said you had written it's like, oh yeah, because my line was uh I guess I was holding a uh PDA, uh, what is it like? Uh, Personal digital assistant. Yeah, yeah, and I said, and then there's this couple kissing in the break room. I guess, I guess this isn't the only PDA in the office, oh, and I'm holding my PDA and that it's making out. Like a joke, I would write. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, and I did that, and then from that, Ken Quapis, who was the director, yeah. booked me in the movie Big Miracle because he no just way. liked it from that one line. And, and well, you I, have a feel. That's yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, and and I remember looking across it. Like I remember Outsource was like NBC's. Like this is our Seinfeld. This is going to work. Like this really? is, I mean, I think they really because I remember when I read for it, it was like every, all the executives were in the room. They were all watching, and I remember. Ken was sitting across. I remember I, would, I had one line, and I remember I read it. I remember always Ken would always laugh at it, and it always like <laughs> it just you know it's like uh, I'm doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but that's not often that standups can kind of jump that hurdle, right? Especially comedy, like straight comedy, like that's like a sketch line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a hard joke. Yeah. So that I mean, like you're perfect for what is this? Oh God! I told myself on the way, and I was like, "Don't fucking life coach Tom." Clark. <laughs> but I think you're great, and you'd be great for like a multi cam something with an audience would work, and you have that feel. Yeah. Obviously, a single cam as well. But I mean, like you could. I feel like multi cams are even harder. Yeah. Like your live experience could help you in that arena. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. As I, I've been doing, as long as I've been doing stand up, and I've been doing stand up twenty. Three years, and I've been doing improv for twenty three years or wow. twenty two years. So I I started at comedy sports. Yeah, and I got to be quick there. Yeah, and I did uh, Second City 
in Chicago. So like I've been doing both forever. So I love acting. You know, my wife and I do web series. So I mean, oh, what's that called? Uh, the Clarks. <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, I mean, she I, took your name then. <laughs> uh, sort of. We haven't officially changed it, but uh, she likes. Clark. When did you get married? Uh, three years ago. Okay. Yeah, three years ago in uh, January. And uh, and how long did you date before that? Uh, two years. So she so you met years. her when she was. I met. Her, I open guess she. Liking? I guess she was. She had done it sort of. I don't know. She's officially, I guess, seven years. But I, I, I count it like five. She started years. taking it seriously. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. She started working on it. So, uh, so it's nice. We go on the road together. I was going to say, get, does she open for you? Yeah. Yeah. So she'll MC and feature and and uh, yeah. I mean, she's very funny. I've, I've taken her a couple of her jokes sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're funny. It's like they work. You mean things that she pitched you? Uh, <laughs> there's one joke I have that she. Uh, She's sort of bitter about that. You got, stole it. I didn't steal it, but she said oh, you can have it, and then she wasn't think she didn't think it would work so well. And now she sort of wants it back. Oh, that's so. hilarious! <laughs> but that's hilarious. That's yeah. that good drama. <laughs> so yeah. you dated for a couple of years, got married. I just got married myself. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, not a lot of our people get married. Yeah, are, are you enjoying it? I mean, it seems like, especially if you're both, although. Oh, God, forgive the obvious question, but you're both after the same thing. I mean, I have to imagine if your wife got Conan now, five years in, you were 18 years in, I feel like you might be like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, I, I don't think – I think it's not it's, – it's healthy between us. You know, like Good. she's she's just working to get better. I don't – it's not an ego thing. I don't know. She, you're able to enjoy each other. Yeah, yeah. It's not like we're constantly thinking about – career i think it helps that i have perspective on things and then she's given me a lot of perspective on things of just like not like i like i said i wrote that blog and it was like one of the things was like don't worry about the people that don't like you like don't focus on it focus on the people first one yeah yeah number one is focus on who likes you right right i think that's brilliant and focus on the people that are supporting you, not on the people yeah. that don't won't return your emails or phone calls or whatever. I'm quoted all the time. We have to apologize because it's Bill Cosby, uh, but he said the key to yeah I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. Right. So like figuring out for me, for example, that I it's almost like on one hand it could be seen as cowardly, mm-hmm. and on the other I think there's a right way to do it. I would do like biker bars or like long haul trucker bars, which all good people deserve a good show. <laughs> and I just wasn't for them. Right. I'm going up there and I have a, my big closer was about spill the beans. Like it was about the phrase spill the beans. Right. And I, I just was up there eating shit. Like, you know, you feel the sweat going down the oh, crack yeah. of your ass and your mouth is getting dry. And at a certain point, you're just like, I think I'd rather be watching at the elevated than fucking carving yeah. out. In that was in Rockford, right? Rockford, Illinois. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Um, yeah, I think uh, that's how I felt. Sort of with the open mic scene out here was like, why am I driving 45 minutes to the show, sitting around for two hours, going up and doing five minutes, yeah, and then driving back, and that's three hours of my night. I could be, you know, writing or working on other stuff, or yeah, learning, watching people at the improv or something right, you know right right i mean i get doing open mics but some of them just felt like this is an exercise in futility there's nobody listening people are just face down in their notebook yeah like i mean as of when i first moved out here but oh i get it yeah yeah but uh but yeah i, I think you gotta yeah it's the same with the one i remember doing these casinos up in michigan and i was just like every every time it's just like just 
just got to get through the hour. Just yeah. got to keep yeah. you know, 20 more minutes. Where do you crush? What are your favorite places? Um, Madison? I, I don't get into Madison anymore. I used to do it. Uh, but I feel like they've gone a little more alty. With I, I feel like they like comics that perform here. They like like Kumail and, and yeah. those guys. And like I used to perform there, like Gus, the owner. Uh, well, there was a shift. Yeah, it's funny to call it alt because it's not even alt anymore. But it's just right. like people that and I'm not correcting you. Right, I, I know what you mean. It's just like people who perform in rooms. The tone of I always differentiate it by being like, there's no food service <laughs> in mm. these rooms, and also. The audience likes it if you just talk to them, meaning act like you're not doing stand-up. Right, you right. Can't, you can't just go up and go like, I know what you're saying. This guy's a Jew and an Italian and a half-Dominican. Uh, <laughs> that means I'm this, this, or whatever the punchline is. They don't like that. They right. want you to come up and address Ring of Fire. That's mm-hmm. all they want. And, right. then, and then the material needs to be done conversationally. That That's really the only difference. Right. When I see Bill Burr play here, because those guys, there's this great – uh, blurring of the line. It really, you know, on, on Crashing, we're kind of ex- exaggerating the difference between the alt world and the club world because that's the story that I experienced. It's it's merged even more yeah. uh, than than it appears on the show because now you do see, you'll see Dom Herrera do fucking, you know, UCB or some, or some show. I'm just saying Dom's a great club guy. Right, They right. started straddling the line yeah. and figuring, figuring that out. Yeah, I... I I mean, I'd love to do the rooms. It's just, I just... Oh, like, yeah, totally. Uh, uh, yeah. But where, where? what are your favorite places? That, I was trying oh, to... Oh, my favorite place. Yeah, um, big, big, yeah. I mean, I love the the Comedy Cafe in Milwaukee. Yeah. When, but I guess now it's it's sort of in limbo. They don't know where they're going to uh, have it. But there's a new club now called the Milwaukee Collaborative, uh, which I like. Uh, I just did a show there. It's more, in, it's an independent room. Um, I like... I mean, I like sort of places you're not supposed to be doing comedy. Like, I like comedy in a basement. I like when it's at a restaurant. Like, I kind of like those gigs. Well, uh, I love the alt scene. <laughs> That's what the alt scene is. Right, right. You're just doing the suburban alt scene. <laughs> this is why This is why I, we got to steer off this topic because it's fucking boring probably. But it's like I just think you do really well there. You're already doing it. Right, right. It's just like you know what I've noticed – and I'm saying this more for the listeners than for you – is it's like there are guys – I remember Byron Bowers, for example, who I'm trying to get on the show. I think he's hilarious. Byron was just at every meltdown. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like here every Wednesday. Right. Which is there. Just like that persistent like, I'm here. He didn't really ask for anything. Just right. became like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Go to the after party. I, obviously, I think the word networking is difficult. It's gross. It makes me feel scuzzy. But there's also just something – there's the right way to like ingratiate yourself to a community. Mm-hmm. Be cool about it. I even find that on Crashing, casting Crashing, finding writers for Crashing, you, you might be shocked at how much it's just like, well, who do we see around? Right, right. Like we're yeah. literally writing a scene and Judd's like, I saw Gary Goldman. <laughs> and I'm like, I love Gary. And we put Gary in. Or I see Gary. And we put Gary right, in. Right, right. It's insane. It's yeah. all just fucking people. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not Soviet Russia right. or some impenetrable wall. I, again, I'm talking to the listeners. It's just kind of like – Who's around, and eventually people will again, which you're doing, Conan, and you know to a lesser extent this podcast, but uh, <laughs> right. But I think it was it is putting myself out there, and that's one thing I, I stopped doing because it just felt the rejection felt too much. So, dude, I feel you. Yeah, I, so I, I'm right there with you. It's not fucking pleasant, yeah. especially somebody like you who's been doing it so long. 
I find like in stand-up, there's all these parts where you have to start over. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in Chicago, it was only three years. Then you go to New York, you start over. Right. Then you move from New York to L.A., you're kind of starting over. Like it's like how many fucking times do you have to start over? Yeah. I think the answer is three. (laughs) (laughs) I just think my experience is everyone's experience. Three. (laughs) Um, But so – but you're crushing at these places. Yeah, I don't. I've never used the word crushing, uh, but you have to crush. What do you? Uh, what is that? You kill? I just say I do good. <laughs> um, that's okay. interesting. Yeah, Tom Clark. It says on your business card, "I do good. Yeah, I do good. <laughs> I do good job." Well, that's an interesting thing. We talk about this: the self-perpetuating machine yeah. of a comic. There are the guys that lean more into, "I crush." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Who crushes? There's so many people that crush. Obviously, Dane is the first person. Dane Cook is the first person, right. I think, that like sold himself as I crush. Mm-hmm. And he does crush. Yeah. I remember Bill Burr's old bio used to say, like, dear potential booker, I promise I won't suck. That's like more of a funny way of saying like right. what you're saying. I'll do good. But I, I wonder, like, you got to strike the balance, I feel like, that drunk 15-minute Kumail crush the, that the ball the right pocket to be supremely confident because there's nothing more confident it's not always right than going long right you're like my time is more valuable even the producers of this festival think it is right it's like a very forward move um, so but where do you where do you do really well or where do you do good <laughs> where do I do good um, well, you kind of already said uh, these places I, I love I love wise guys in Utah I love. Uh, yeah. Salt Lake City, and they have a new place, Jordan Landing. Like yeah. I, I love those clubs. Like to me, because yeah. I, I think because the audiences are are sober, they're fairly sober. I love it too, and they they pay Utah attention as a whole. Yeah, the Utah, that, and that that to me is another thing that the difference between this place and maybe pick an arbitrary club here is often sobriety. Yeah, yeah. People here in UCB aren't fucked up. They can't. Right. You have to come drunk if you're going to get drunk. Yeah, come drunk. <laughs> said a thing on the podcast come no, drunk oh. uh, it just is now you're the first come drunk uh, come drunk um yeah i don't know i yeah but i like i love utah is one of my favorites yeah, uh, i don't know i i like like this like this weird lestats in san diego there's this like little yeah. coffee house next to the it's like a little music place uh i love those uh I'm trying to think, like, what else? I because I, I don't do a ton of like I do zanies, I do wise guys, I, I go to laughs in Tucson. Like, I'm not in at at these major clubs, so I can't really. Say, I don't know. It's it's is, is it is it weird to ask? Are you doing other things for work, or do you string these dates together? I mean, I do, and I do other things. I te- I do teach stand up comedy now, oh, okay. so uh, I've been teaching, and that keeps you in town. Yeah, so that keeps me local. I, Where do you teach? I teach on my own. It's uh, it's a plug here, standupteacher.com. dot uh, com. And actually, one of my students is going to be on Colbert uh, uh, next month. She, no way! She, yeah, she booked. It's a Mary Gallagher. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love doing it. And I think, like you said, I've that's what I really teach is my philosophy. It's like it's not the words, it's not the jokes that you wrote down. It's your personality coming across. So I yeah. like the first couple classes. We don't even work on structure it's just like getting them up there and talking and just sort of being themselves right and then we get into structure later on but um 
But yeah, I mean that's I, that's I, a great that's a great tip because it took me five years to figure out what the hell I was doing on stage. Like, just I had no idea because you right. don't when you're starting in the mid '90s. It was like there's the library and reading books and trying to find stuff, and then there's CDs. There's no YouTube videos that you couldn't find, like Steve Martin's, you know. Born standing up, yeah. Born standing up, or, yeah. yeah right. You couldn't. I remember going to bookstores and being like, "Does David Letterman have an autobiography?" Like, <laughs> right, I didn't even yeah. know where to look. Yeah, like I really feel I've probably made this these exact points in this order before, but I feel like it's a great time to start stand up because there are all these resources. Yeah, it's amazing all yeah. the all the things you can reference. Even yeah, even now you can just go back and watch Steve Martin on the Midnight Special and yeah. like just um yeah. So I I, I think that. Uh, I wanted to help people avoid that first five years of like yeah. wandering in the desert and trying to figure out what the hell you're doing. Yeah. But I think it is a little bit easier now because you do have references. But That's noble. I, I've been wanting to put out an audio series when I have the time just about what I learned in stand-up because mm-hmm. I think the taboo of like you can't teach stand-up, fuck that shit. There's things we've learned right. that can help. Literally, it's, I feel like it's my family, like us weirdos, fucking stand-up right. weirdos. Help, help each other. Yeah. Like, imagine it's just good for the country. Like if we're a country, <laughs> right. it's just good for our people. Yeah, I never understood that. That's that's one thing I, I sometimes get frustrated with with comedians is sort of their uh, yeah lack of empathy. I guess sometimes yeah. just very well. They're acting not in abundance but scarcity. They're just like, well, I have the tip. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to use that to play penguins. It's like, yeah. like okay. <laughs> but you know what? There's 52 weekends a year. Like, like maybe tell the other guys some of the right. tips. Right. Yeah. And it is hard. But I mean, it's, it's, I just, uh, I, I just think like people that say like you can't teach stand up. I mean, you can't. I mean, it, it is getting up on stage and going yeah. up over and over and over but again. But even that's really a learn. lesson. What you just said. Right. That's the lesson that you share. I mean, right. that's where I would start. You, you can't stand up. This, the stage will teach you better than anybody. Right. But here, it's more like, I, I want to maybe call it like the best things I know about mm-hmm. stand-up. Just the best things I know. It's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not the rules. It's not principles. It's just like, here's what I wish I knew when I was schlepping to Schomburg. Right. Yeah. Even like working on a set for a late night, like just learning how to do that. Yeah. Of like, totally different. Because I always thought it was just like, well, I got to walk up on stage, start my five, you know, just like in Montreal where I'm walking yeah. up on stage, start my five minutes and record yeah. it and hope that was the five minutes. Yeah. Whereas you can play around a little bit up front totally. and just cut it accordingly. And That's my big Conan tip is do something up top that is just for you. Like it's not going to work. Right. So just do a one-liner mm-hmm. or be quiet, smile. Like all my favorite <laughs> sets are just people. You're a foreign body, mm-hmm. Conan or whoever has been hosting the whole time. And here comes this new guy right. or woman to entertain and the white blood cells want to remove the foreign agent. Right. So you have to like give them a second to acclimate. So throw them a joke. Mm-hmm. Be like, hello. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I know. It's weird. We're all shifting gears. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I thought that was good advice. Like Gary Cannon, who warms up the audience on Conan, yeah. gave me good advice of just like, you know, when I warm up the crowd, I'm, I'll mention you and I'll say you're standing right over there by the band. And, yeah. and then he did that and everyone's like, well, you know, everyone's craning their neck to see who the, yeah. you know, they don't know who the hell I am, of course. But, but, but instantly then, just like you're, you're validated by another guy that's been sanctioned by the show. Right. And then you walk out on stage and you're like, oh, that's the guy we saw over totally. there. You know. And, I one time was starstruck because there was a photo booth at the Urban Outfitters in Harvard Square. And on the photo booth, there were samples of photos you could take. Mm-hmm. And me and my friend, Ern, who did this podcast, we saw the guy 
who was on the photo in the photo <laughs> booth. Like it was just behind glass. You know, right, like right. They just put in some samples. And we went up to him and like practically wanted his autograph. We're like, you're the fucking guy <laughs> from the photo booth in Urban Outfitters in Cambridge. Right, right. And he didn't even act shocked. He was like, yeah, it happens all the time. I'm like, is that why you fucking hang out here? <laughs> Browsing the, the toilet books? <laughs> books for the can? <laughs> It's not a bad idea. Why don't we go through your uh, tips, if you don't mind? One is find who likes you. I love these tips. Uh, I, lo- I read the article when it came out. It's it helpful and informative. Have to go and, and remember them. I don't. It's not like the Ten Commandments, which I also know. <laughs> uh, I probably don't know. The I Ten believe one of them is do everything. <laughs> yes, do everything. Um, let me see. Well, maybe you remember them. No, I don't remember uh, I all of them, but we can just say, um, let's see if we get past more than two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, do, I think do everything was a big one, which was just like I, one thing I did, you know, since I knew Dan Harmon when I moved out here, him and Rob started up Channel 101. So that was something I got involved with, with Ryan Ridley. Ridley. Uh, yeah. And uh, Danny Jelinek, who was also, uh, you know, did a lot of directing and stuff. So I did that with them. And that was like such a great thing to learn how to write like a five minute pilot and learn how to tell a story. And, you know, that's, and I met like Andy Samberg there and the Lonely Island guys, they were starting out. This is like 2004 and just sitting like at a, at a toys on vine and watching videos with like Jack Black and, and just, yeah. And just realize, like, this is our community. Like, this is. I remember resisting it too. I I talked to Ryan Ridley in front of the lion's den, skeptical. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are you doing that? We should just be doing stand up. Like you say in the article. Right, right. You're like, we all have this sort of aversion. It could be a piano, it could be a guitar on stage, or, or it could be just going, like, why are you wasting your time making videos? And Ryan said to me, he's like, well, you're out there touring. My video is out there touring for me. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh. Like, he just won me over with that one statement. Yeah. And then Aziz also was doing a lot of that when I got to New York. So right. I was just like, oh, this is like, it's all comedy. Right. When did we get so us and them? You know what I mean? Like, I it doesn't need to be that way. Well, that was like the big thing, like, with comedy and, and improv back in, like, the Second totally. City days was like, you It's know. the elves and the dwarves. Yeah. But in the Lord of the Rings, the elves and the dwarves fight together. <laughs> you know how many improvisers, like, I've worked with and love and think of when it comes time to writing? I've never been on a project that I was casting that you didn't go to the UCB page mm-hmm. and just see the performer. Oh, yeah, that guy. Right. Oh, don't forget that guy. All these people do is perform at a theater that I know that they probably have a certain taste right. of comedy, and it gets them work. It's incredible. Yeah, and and uh, that helped me a lot. Channel One Hundred One doing improv through comedy sports, just teaching you to work quickly on your feet. Yeah, you know. How do you prepare for something like that? Because you are a very quick guy. Is there anything you would do before an improv show specifically? To get into that zone? I always loved it. There was a thing called five things where you'd be like, five terrible ways to break up with somebody. And then right. you would just start listing five things. You had to do all five? Yeah. You just, so you just off the top of your head, you right. just suddenly, just as quickly as possible, name the five things. So it didn't matter if it made sense or if it was right. something horrendous. Yeah, just loosen like, up. It would just yeah. be like, she won't stop calling me Linda, even though I told her my name's Tom. Right. Yeah. yeah. It could be like, stab her to death. You know, like, it's yeah. like, it could yeah. be something Oh, I super... thought it was things that they, they were bad. You bra- I, I misheard you. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Something super dark or whatever. So just to sort of let just your mind... Up. Yeah. Sort of let the synapses just kind of flow without yeah. censoring yourself. So yeah. Um, so that, that was something that helped me a lot. And, you know, you do a lot of improv stuff backstage or whatever sure. but I, I love I love that exercise I do that in my stand up class because it's like it just teaches people to not right. to not don't overthink yeah. don't overthink um, 
but yeah, that that taught me a lot. Um, I'm and what, to... uh, even without referencing your thing, oh, but... can you know off your dome? Um, what's the biggest mistake you see comics making? Um, the biggest mistake I see comics. Or what do you making? have to correct them? On? I think. Well, I think a lot of it is is things things on social media getting caught up in like this. They're just people making rules of like this is how you're supposed to be doing comedy, and I don't like that scene, and you're not putting in the work because you're going to this club or you're you're doing this thing. And I, I guess just just sort of people putting rules on stand up of like where you're supposed to do it, how you're supposed to do it, yeah. and like if you don't do open mics and you're not a real comic, yeah. you know that that sort of stuff of like sort of like this again. When did we get such a clan mentality? Right. You know, I remember someone going like, "You don't go up every night." Yeah. Like just like with such judgment. When I'm like a big part of my process is not going up every night. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I need to like give myself time to ruminate. Yeah. I, I don't want to perform too 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 much. I don't want to perform too little either, but everybody's got to find their own balance. I think living a life, you know. Living a life. Yeah. At the beginning, I think it's helpful to perform maybe more than you think you ought to be. Right. But then later, it's almost a privilege of the 10-year mark is to go like, okay, what is the right balance for me? Camping and living and skiing or whatever fucking people do. <laughs> whatever people And performing. <laughs> yeah. But finding striking that balance and not feeling pressure right. to be any sort of way. Yeah. I think the other thing was it was asking, uh, just ask asking for stuff. Like Oh yeah. You know, I remember somebody uh told me that of like when you go to the uh, somebody's I said I knew they were headlining the Hollywood Improv on a weekend. I was like, "Oh, how would you do that?" I, like, I I asked them. <laughs> and uh, it was literally I mean, not that <laughs> I should, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't yeah. be like, yeah, "Yeah, just ask them and they'll be fine with it." But it is like, you know, I've got credits. I've got I headline across the country. Why shouldn't I be headlining the Improv? I mean, granted you got to get the audience in there too yeah. but um but it is it's like you gotta ask you, gotta you ask. know nobody knows what you want to, and that goes all the way up i think yeah yeah i'd like a tv show well how, how do people know unless you're like kind of right get, making it known yeah on whatever level it might be it could be just telling your friend mm -hmm. that that's your target yeah yeah and i think that's something and like i've never like pitched a show i've never done that so it's like i i don't i don't really know how that's a whole nother thing but but I mean, that's is it, it is like yeah, you got to ask, and 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 you got to just give it a try. Like doing Conan was something I wanted to do forever. Yeah. Like I when I I remember they saw me in Chicago in '98, and I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to submit. They said submit a tape, and I submitted like a ten minute set mm -hmm. of like the potato song and the joke that didn't go anywhere, and it was like all right. Tell me what you like. You know, right, I thought right. they would put it together. I didn't right. know that it was up to me. That's how naive I was. That's about actually the funny because I I've given the opposite advice. Uh -huh. I'm like, you don't have to give a five minute. I've literally given the exact opposite. Really? Where I'm like, give them a 15 minute tape and say which ones do you like? Huh? Because if you give them a five minute tape and there's one they don't like, like let's say there's one two minute section that they don't like, they're going to say, can you send us a new tape oh. with that section removed? Why not just send them a 10 minute tape? The guy the guy has five minutes to watch. You has 10 minutes to watch you. Yeah. And more or less, that's what I'll open with. That's what I'll close with. And in the middle, that's you know, we'll pick some bits. Yeah. I'm sure that's what JP did with you when you did your Conan. Yeah, I mean, but I I, I just probably drew it out too much. Where I I submitted a six minute tape, then I submitted another six minute tape, and then we put that together for a five minute tape. So yeah, I probably okay. could have saved myself some time. <laughs> I, I I could be wrong. I think it could go either way. You if you have the perfect set, I mean, by all means. But I've right. always been like the first time I got Conan, he saw me do. 
45 minutes at the improv oh, wow. and one of the bits he liked and he was like well you got to do that on Conan mm-hmm. I was like okay I never would have gotten it with the the rock polish model of just like I, I have it right I present it to you <laughs> put this on TV yeah. I still couldn't do that I know like if Jimmy Fallon or somebody was like do five minutes of stand up I'd be like I, I don't know you gotta tell me <laughs> like it'll be like some of these bits right right I, I'm gonna need someone to go like well that's 20 minutes Pete and I'll go okay well we'll trim it down <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it is hard. But you're are you doing that? Are you you're not like you don't need what doing do, when like doing late nights. I mean you're now you're um, on Conan. I think I would rather yeah, I'd rather like save the the material mm-hmm. for a for a special which is a wonderful yeah, yeah. Uh, luxury to be like, "Oh, save it." <laughs> I remember hearing somebody say that. Yeah, somebody I remember they were doing we did our half hours together and I was like, "Why didn't you do that bit?" It's like I'm saving it for my hour. And uh, I don't know if that guy's done an hour since he said that to me. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, uh, kill now. Yeah, yeah. There's no second chance. <laughs> yeah, kill now. Do a great half hour. I'm saving it. I was like, that's insane. Right. <laughs> yeah, I never understood that. Oh, yeah, like people that do like uh, like last comic standing or whatever. And it's like, oh, I'm holding off on the bit. I know there's some sort of flashing light yeah, in there. Yeah, there's a flashing light. Are we in trouble? I don't no. know. Uh, Let's just see that lamp dying. <laughs> Along with the building. Oh, with these <laughs> knuckleheads down there? How dare they? Good looking hair, Aristotle. Long hair. <laughs> looking good. That's nice. Feeling good. <laughs> so we can always go back to those. Right. We have tons. But what what makes you weird? Have you seen an alien? Ah, <laughs> uh, what makes Have you me... seen a ghost? Um Can you only come if there's three hundred pairs of panties in the room? What's your vice? Bingo. Um, Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> what is my vice? What is my vice? Uh, what weird thing happened that made you a comedian? Let's get let's get more emotional because they can read the blog post. Sure. Um, I'm realizing I, I I brought it up. It's not like come on, Tom, quit dodging me. But let's <laughs> let's get weirder. Um, I think yeah. You lost your virginity when you were 38. <laughs> <laughs> Close. I was 30. 29, really? 30. Yeah. 30? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what virginity is. like is virginity virginity if it's intercourse. Yeah, it's like 29, 30. But if it's like you know, hand job. <laughs> yeah, is that sex? I don't know. I no. Mean, I mean, what about oral? Is that sex? I mean, when did that happen? Um, uh, <laughs> like I'm like doing a math problem. Yeah. Uh, I carry the one. Uh, like, uh, oh boy, it was it was later. Yeah. I, well, well, because I, I was very Catholic, so I mean, I guess that's the thing. Oh, is that so right? I didn't, didn't want to. Brothers and sisters. I just had one brother. Not that Catholic. No. Well, my parents also got married when they were in their late. My mom had me when she was forty-eight. There. Now we're cooking. Yeah. So that was that was definitely. Weird. You had an older mom. Yeah, I had an older mom and an older dad. My dad was my dad is still around and he's ninety-two. He's in World War Two. So it's like yeah. He's Whoa. Old school. Old school. He fought in World War Two. Yeah, yeah. For the Germans. For the Germans, <laughs> Nazi soldier. <laughs> Loves Trump. Loves Trump. <laughs> big, big fan. Uh, no, he's such a. I mean, I, he's you know he's my absolute hero. You did, yeah. yeah. Um, Why? Just because he's he always just went about his business. He ne- I never heard him complain about anything. Like never complained about like I work too hard to send you kids to yeah he didn't Catholic school. Yeah, I was just like this is what I do as I raise you guys and take care of you and I sacrifice everything Was it that he you. took his lumps or was it just that he was like kind of in his own flow? He was like, this is my life. I wanted this life. I wanted these kids. I wanted to. Yeah, there was just no, uh, 
he never complained. Like, yeah, he, I just never heard him complain, which is, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I mean, that really just taught me. There's like, a stoicness. There's a way that it can be great. Yeah. I suppose nowadays would be like, well, was he suppressing his feelings? But I understand the strength of the dad. Yeah. I don't think I saw my dad's. Now I'm always trying to get him to show me his weak side, but like he still resists. He yeah. Wanted, he wanted to be that kind of dad. Right. The World War II dad. <laughs> yeah. Like I had him show me pictures of World War II and I was like, was it like 18? You're going off to basic training in California. You're just getting on a bus and like, you know, it's the middle of World War II and he's just like, that oh, was fine. You know, there's no like, there's no like uh, detailed story. Or do you anything. think that's why one of the reasons maybe you got into comedy was you wanted to be more expressive than your dad? Yeah, I mean, my mom was very outgoing, so it was definitely two two flavors. Yeah, my mom was a social worker. My dad was. This uh, is how you make a comedian. You got the. Yeah. And your mom was out there, and your dad was in there. Yeah, and I think I just I just loved making people laugh. I uh, I just. I don't know. It was uh, I, I, it was something I never thought I would do. It wasn't like some someday I'm going to be a comedian. It was just like I'm just going to give this a try. It's something I always wanted to do. When I I don't want to project onto you. I started making people laugh because I was like anxious and everybody was fighting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be like, I'm going to put on a fucking show. Um, did you? Were you trying to remedy anything, or you just like clowning? I think I just liked making people laugh. Like when I could make my friends double over with laughter. Uh, it just felt great. Yeah, it just felt good. And I remember – so for me, like the big thing was after college, I went – I lived in Mexico for – I lived in Juarez for six months. Really? I, I worked with kids in gangs. Okay, and, here we go. And uh, – what, what? Why did this happen? Because uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after college. I had a degree. Where did you go? St. Norbert College. St. Norbert? There. Yeah. Norbert? You went to OJ's character from Naked Gun College? It's, yeah, pretty much. Norberg. Norbit. I Nordberg. 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 I got it Norbert. Wrong. Norbit was uh, Norbit. Eddie Murphy's character. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the great uh, black comedy actors. Right. That was your college. Norbit. Norbert. <laughs> uh, I yeah. call OJ one of the great comedy actors. <laughs> one of our finest. <laughs> Good to see him out there. Yeah. Again, you know, what happened to him? Uh, <laughs> so you were a little directionless. Yeah. And it hadn't yet dawned on you that you were going to be com- a comedy guy? I had thought about it. I remember writing in a notebook, like, what does it take to be a comedian? I need to go to a comedy club and watch comedians and yeah. talk to them after. Like, yeah. it was like. Did you do that? I didn't because like, that sounds scary. <gasps> uh, so I, so after I grad, so this was in my senior year and then I went to uh, Mexico and worked and I just was like, I'll go to Mexico for six for three months. I, at first, it was three months, and it ended up being six months. Mm. And I'll just sort of figure it out. And I thought I'd be like sitting on the beach and like helping kid orphans here and there. And yeah, like, yeah. But it was like super intense, and it was and it was Juarez. It wasn't the beach. Like right. I had no idea. I asked like, oh, by the Rio Grande. That's nice. Yeah. And I was like, no, the Rio Grande is this polluted river that's half dried up and where people literally were jumping across the border like you could watch people run across the border. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so it was like the height of – and this was when Clinton, Bill Clinton was shutting down the border when he was saying we're going to – got to get these immigrants. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I forgot about that. So it, was, so it was an interesting time. So I was like in a, the American in Juarez working in like one of the poorest areas, like a lot of gangs. How, who pitched this idea to you? I pitched it to myself. I was just like, this sounds like the best thing ever. I worked Did with. you see a flyer on a bulletin board? I, I read a blurb on a 
on a in a pamphlet, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds." It like, was a pamphlet. Yeah, it was a pamphlet. And Where did like, you see this pamphlet? The our parish priest gave me it. And church, I, church. Yeah, yeah. Always church getting yeah. us in this sort of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I don't know. And I just read through it, and I looked at the different places. And I was not like, that it's oh. not noble. I just mean you know yeah. these sorts of messes, <laughs> these yeah. sorts of predicaments. But I mean, I asked for it. Yeah. yeah, I asked for it. I was like, I, I need to figure this out. I want to do something in Mexico because I had studied there. So I thought this would be the ideal thing. And then I got there, and and literally thought I was going to die. Like in a, the first week I was there, because I was like, there was like a stabbing, like right near the thing, and I remember they don't have like cop cars there; it's just police on horseback. So you just see, so it was just like the Middle Ages or something. It was yeah. like scary, and I was like, yeah. what have I gotten myself into? And like we're riding on this dirt road to this these corrugated tin shacks, and like they all hated. I felt like they all hated me because I was just like I was the American. I represented everything that sucked about. That they that we created down there, which was like these maquiladoras, these factories that were, you know, paying them a nickel an hour, and so I was represented America down there, right? And they were pretty shitty to me at first, but it was like just uh, no pranks or anything. They're just mad. No, like bad like hitting me, like like I got hit with like a two by four, like in the first couple of weeks, like a guy somebody like, hit you. Yeah, like was, like was, naked like, gun style, Nordberg style. <laughs> you got hit with a two by a four. Prank, yeah, yeah. Just where on your body? I just like in the stomach. Just like this guy was like swinging around a two by four, like threatening people, and then hit me in the in the stomach and didn't hurt, but it was surprising. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like I saw Jim Duggan uh, style, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I just. I don't know. It was just such an odd thing, you know, watching people shoot up heroin and like just seeing oh, like, oh. like, so it was just such an eye opening experience <laughs> that I feel like that's like, I was like, so that was like the moment, like if I can do this and I stayed there for six months, I, it's like, I can do anything. Like I could, I can do stand up. This is, mm. this is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that just really taught me. And it also taught me like, no matter how difficult things are, like, it's never more difficult than the people who live down here. You know, right. it's like they've got such a, you know, it's so poor and and you know scary and dangerous. And then, they're, but they're so like they're just like literally like they're just such nice people. And I was just, so it's sort of like my dad. It's just like they're just good people. And I think and also that, like your dad, like he probably didn't complain because he had been through World War Two. Yeah, and the right. Great Depression right, too. Exactly. So he's so this was all like everything was gravy. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. We had a house. We you know, had, yeah, it was like, we had food on the table. That's all we could ask for. Um, but yeah, I mean that 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 made me want to do stand up. And uh, so when I got back, I was like, I got to figure this out. My brother was taking a stand up class and he didn't complete it. And I was like, well, I want to do that. So that's I found Dobie's class and it was like the second class he had ever taught. And, uh, and yeah, and I just did it and, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I did it <laughs> because it was just, it was something I always wanted to do hmm. and it ended up being a career, you know? Um, wow. Did you change any lives? Is there some orphan story that you're like, wow, I fucking helped that guy? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean. Have you ever almost died? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, well, I, I mean, after I, after I did that, you know, I also, I ran, I worked with, uh, 
I worked at a, at a treatment center. So, I mean, while I was doing stand-up, I was a social worker. So I worked at a treatment center for emotionally disturbed kids. Mm. Uh, I, I got jobs for disabled people after that. I ran a mentoring program. So there's a lot of Catholic guilt of yeah. like I need to be doing – stand-up is a selfish pursuit. I need to remedy that by doing – Do you still feel social that Social work. No, not anymore. I used to really like sort of beat, beat myself up and it took – you know, that's why I didn't really start doing comedy full time till I was like almost thirty, because mm. I was like, uh, "It's gauche." Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, "What?" It's 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 about me. It's it should be about other people because that's how my dad. I think that's how my parents were, and my mm. parents were very Catholic, so I think that all played into it. And, and the thing that sort of changed things was I worked with this group. Uh, I was running this mentoring program for this group, and they were like all Opus Day members. And Opus Dei is like – that's like the Da Vinci Code Catholics, huh? like the super – Action Catholics. Action, <laughs> the self-flagellating like, – Oh, that uh, guy. Yeah, yeah. So they were like – I haven't seen the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. I'm just seeing Tom Hanks running through a stone <laughs> building going, open the gate. <laughs> I, yeah. I haven't seen it. They were so uh, just – Intense. Intense, yeah. Did you intense. absorb that? You absorbed – I have to let, – let's make some assumptions. Uh, you probably felt bad about your sexuality and your desire. Like you, I yeah. felt like maybe you still do. You kind of backed away from the blowjob and the and the yes. sex story. Meaning, did you uh, incorporate those beliefs? How how hard did you bite when you went to Catholic school and you're learning that stuff? I don't know if you know this podcast. We always talk about religion and the meaning of life. I'm curious mm-hmm. what what you believed and then leading up to what you believe now. Um, yeah, that there was heaven and hell i guess uh growing up and that you had to be a good person and and feeling any sort of pleasure was sort of bad yeah um not not like not like guy i could never Fieri be eating a tuna melt the size of a buick is like oh my god <laughs> this guy's going right to hell oh, oh yeah. why now he's getting blown by little debbie wait she's too young i just wanted it to be you get it a food person. Right, I get it. Aunt Jemima, she, she's older. Yeah. Could have gone Mrs. Paul. Fish yeah, fish. sure. There you go. The Maybe we mix it up. Maybe it's yeah. a Gordon's Fisherman. We right, don't know. Right. It gets yeah. lonely at sea. <laughs> uh, go on. Yeah. So um, uh, where am I? Uh, uh, you're talking about sex shame. Yeah, Pleasure shame. shame. Yeah. So I think there was just uh, – I remember, I remember I went to confession. Like I, I didn't – I wasn't a big confession guy after like – High school, like when we had to go, and then I just like I stopped going. I, I don't know. I just thought it was weird telling a priest my sins. And I remember I went to this Opus Day thing, and we had to tell the priest. And I was behind the screen, and it's like, and I was telling him, you know, I lied, I did this, and then I said, hey, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've pleasured myself. He's like, tell me about that. And I was like, no, like no, I mean that's it. I'm not going to tell you like like he wanted like details. like dates and yeah like who'd you think about like I was like this is weird like this is just yeah. like a weird group of people right and I decide and I remember like I was doing uh, the Dead Alewives and I remember there was an article about what us in the paper that it's an improv group oh so right it's like, your improv group yeah so it's something that Dan Harmon and Rob Schrauberin and I was eventually in it and uh, they said. Uh, I remember they wrote an article about how politically incorrect we were and like they're like, yeah, we don't know if we want our director of the mentoring program to be in this group and, you know, if it's political. And I was like, well, 
I'm going to make a decision. Like, I need to leave because I, I don't. Yeah. Cause I, mean, I remember when I decided that one of the board members said, like, how are you going to make it in Hollywood with all the uh, Jews and homosexuals running everything? Wow. <laughs> and I was like. Was he dressed like early Kyle Kinane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I got to get away from these. Yeah. These people. And, and when did the um, – am I right in assuming that the beliefs then continued to fade out a little bit? No. Even when I moved out here, there was still – it was still there. I still felt like shame. And if I, if I had sex before marriage, that was a big sin and like – But you did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, around you 30. Yeah, you but, but it was what – What is the story? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to need this story. <laughs> what happened? You're talking to another guy who felt a lot of shame. So much right. shame that it, I actually – couldn't really perform because I was having such a existential right. spiritual crisis right. that uh, we had to go to Applebee's and have an apple teeny. <laughs> it might have been a Bennigan's, <laughs> but I like li- that waiter had no idea they were lo- like lubing me up to try for round two. So wow. because I, you know, I thought the second coming was going to happen before the first one. <laughs> um, and I do just mean just me. No, no hope for for that poor woman. Um, it was my it was the woman I married. Anyway, uh, I'm the one. The reason I'm asking for the story is it was a difficult girlfriend. Yeah, it was a girl I had been dating, and uh, was she Catholic? Um, yeah, I mean, but not as intense as I was, I yeah. guess. And I don't, I don't even know if I was that intense either, because I wasn't like going to church that regularly anymore. But it just was seemed, it was just sort of hard to, <laughs> to, to initiate it and like get going. And then did she talk you into it? Yeah, we just see. Just there, I'm of, always collecting yeah. other guys like me. That's interesting. My girlfriend talked me into it, right? For religious reasons. This is good solidarity. There's people listening, going, "Ah, I'm not the only one." <laughs> right. And then we we had sex, and it was it was pretty pretty quick. And it, yeah, and you know, I wore I think I wore a condom for the first time, so it was like it was all very different yeah. and weird, and yeah. and uh, but it felt good. But uh, it, I don't know. It just wasn't. Uh, I don't know what to say about it. Well, I'm just wondering what it did for you emotionally. I mean, after you had done it, were you just like, well, the floodgates are open or did you remain? I think I, it sort of, it still sort of like impacted me a little bit of like, should I be doing this? Is this wrong? I shouldn't. But did you keep I, doing it? I, not really. I mean, once in a while, I guess. See, that's unique. That's yeah. unique is that you were so plagued by your beliefs right. that after you had sex and I was pretty similar you didn't just keep having tons of sex right right my my first my ex-wife and i stopped having sex for months before we got married to kind of like recreate the wedding night thing. oh i see so we yeah. still both had some guilt and shame right yeah yeah I, I don't think i really like it was something i did once in a while and it had to be sort of like somebody i <laughs> i don't know somebody i i cared about and yeah. then and then there, yeah, there was definitely a period where it was like, okay, anybody's fair game. Yeah. Um, but did uh, that come in the slow? Where do you, where are you now? Are you still Catholic, super Catholic? No, I I I just sort of my wife sort of made a good point. I was just like, why not just be a good person to be a good person? And it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like I don't need and I, and for me, it was like just the whole all the all the molestation and stuff that happened in the Catholic Church. It's like, how is this not? your main priority. Like right. how is this not being addressed? And I was just like, I can't be a part of this. Like it's right. not, 
it's wrong. It's like you guys are so focused on abortion and all this other morality stuff, and it's like, and you know, you clean up your own mess. It's, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think it just became like you. Oh, you guys are hypocrites. Like right. this isn't even a. This is you don't care about people. That's a completely understandable um, loss of faith in the institution and the, and the religion. Right. Um, and maybe even God. Did God go away and all that? I still, uh, I still, th- I do st- still. I guess I still believe. I do believe, uh, but it's not. Uh, but I don't feel like I need to go somewhere to experience. Like I don't need to go to church, church. or follow rules or I don't know. It's like it's just just be a good person, live your life, and help others, and be a good person. And right. that's how I live my life. And I think, I think it's a good philosophy. I think you know. I think like the idea of being religious is good. Help be you know love each other as you love yourself, or love what is it? Love oh. your neighbor. Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's a great philosophy, and that's that should be the basis for every for our lives. Yeah. If you just live that, that's really all you need. You don't yeah. need to. Do you think it's over when we die? Um. Oh boy, I don't know. My my mom passed away two years ago, and and I she was very religious. And I was like, so what do you think happens? And she's like, and she said like, I don't know. And I was like, wait a minute, you all these years yeah, you've been doing, saying we got to go to church, and it's like, and now you're not sure. Like, so that kind of surprised me. And I think even my dad is he won't really talk about it, but it's like even a, he, him, I think he's just like he's scared. Like he's just scared of of passing away and like the possibilities and, of yeah, and what like what's gonna happen. Like it's I just don't exist anymore. And I think so. When you hear that from your parents, I think that that's a little disheartening I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. when they're not like yeah we're going to heaven right you know? right so but what do you do you have a thought um you're gonna die tomorrow afternoon oh boy <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously as a hypothetical sure what do what do we think about that um oh boy i like to think we're still floating around i don't know <laughs> i like to think somehow we still exist on another plane yeah and just the thought of like not i mean i guess you're, you're not you know everything prior to 1971 i'm not aware of but it's yeah no i love that i love that idea but i just i like the idea that somehow we're i just hate i I mean i I hate the idea of not not being conscious or not being around so i like to think there's something after all of this is done Hmm. what that is i I don't know i like to think there's like a heaven and it's like a a dorm (laughs) and there's mitch hedberg in one of the rooms and there's (laughs) Kurt Cobain down the hall, you know, it's like, yeah. and they're all, we're all hanging out and talking. It's like a, you know, but I mean, that's what I hope it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it is. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you, do you not believe or? Not in that. No, no. I don't think the ego uh, survives death. No. I, in fact, I would be deeply disappointed if it was just fucking you and me in a room. <laughs> <laughs> you still insisting that you're Tom and me being Pete. I, I think there's a much, a greater reduction into our essence, yeah, and soul, basically, yeah, and maybe that continuing on. But if it's just Pete and I'm telling people stories about the time I played in Rockford, <laughs> I'll be like, "When do I die again? <laughs> <laughs> Can I die from this?" Right. Uh, that's why I, you know, I think heaven's a very nice metaphor. Heaven talking about going into the light. Well, what is light? Light is energy. Energy is everything. So it's like a. Like a wave dissolving into the ocean. We just kind of go back into the oneness. But holding on to that separateness and wanting to stay conscious in that way mm-hmm. doesn't light me up, really. Yeah. If I go there and I'm Pete, 
it's not what I was thinking. It has to be a twist ending. That feels mm-hmm. too Looney Tunes to me. Right. Not your beliefs. I'm just saying a lot of people have that belief. And it just feels a little too like, well, it's like this, but it's over there. Well, then what was the point of this? If there's an architect of this, if this isn't different from that, why have this? Right. And what is the purpose of having this end unless it was to figure something out or to become something like electing to play a game or dance a dance to figure something out that the soul couldn't figure out without assuming an ego. Mm-hmm. But if we just go there and we're still egos, I'm like, well, what the fuck? Why didn't we just start here? Why yeah. did we play the game where we die? Right. Is that just a mistake or is it just random? Because wanting an afterlife isn't a good enough reason. Like being uncomfortable, which I am as well, with not being conscious doesn't hold water for me. To just go like, well, that's unpleasant. And it's not even that pleasant. I would love to know. If I could know with certainty that when we die, it just lights out, like you said, before mm-hmm. 1971, right. then everything's gravy. I'm yeah. interested in, is there work to be done? Is there something to be ground out, refined, renor- right. renewed, reborn, and transformed? Then I understand why, why we came into this space to begin with. Right. Did that motivate you more to, when you left? stop being religious did that motivate you more to do more stuff or did that i don't know like yeah i hear that the people that i know that are really believe that this is it and they die it's over some of them do have they can be more mindful and more present than some of the buddhists i know you know Mm -hmm. what i mean because they're just like this is it baby right any minute you could go (laughs) so enjoy this meal or enjoy this conversation right so however you get there i don't i don't actually feel that way I, i don't think that death is the end and I, but I don't think it continues in the a, in a, in a, in a same fashion. And again, I'm not saying this to correct you. I'm saying this to yeah, introduce yeah. an idea um, or bounce it off of you. Because, again, what you're saying, the dorm is the right metaphor. That's what I would tell my kids. Right. You know what I mean? I'd be like, <laughs> we go to a place, but that's just a metaphor for a, a grander merging. Right. A, a less, it's so mysterious that it's not talkaboutable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's fine to just go, yeah, we all hang out again. But then when we get there, I bet it'll be something different. <laughs> when is it not a twist, Tom? Right. When is it not a it's twist? All... It's always a twist. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, we just know it can't, like, you're, I think what your mom said is beautiful. Yeah. That is to me is we build up these straw men, and sometimes when we're old and we're dying, we burn them down and go, like, I don't know, man. We're all trying to figure it out. Right. And that can seem like, hey, you just turned your back on all that stuff. Yeah, everybody's just trying to trying our best in every moment to figure it out and to hold on to some sort of meaning. Right. And hopefully yeah. you can have that in your in your passing. But Yeah, and I don't mind it. I didn't mind being raised religious because it made me a good person, made me a conscientious person and caring about others. Yeah. Sometimes maybe a little bit to my detriment. I don't know, to my detriment. I mean, I'm happy – but maybe if starting stand up a little bit earlier or opening myself up to experiences a little bit earlier. But you, this is like, do you watch Crashing? Yeah, yeah. That's what oh, my yeah. character says. He goes, I, maybe I missed out. <laughs> like he's looking back, going, like, I was trying so hard. I was afraid of God and I didn't want to do things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's true. I wouldn't masturbate because I would think that the, uh, the God, that Jesus was coming back. And it's not just missing out on jerking off, it's missing out on any sort of like that sort of boldness that some young people can have where it's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going into show business where you and I I remember being like, well there's an alliance you can join. You can go to Hollywood but you sign a declaration that says I don't swear, I don't do right. I don't glorify Satan and I don't do nudity. Uh we did have that sort of burden. 
But I'm with you. It, it also gave us a framework to care and think about the big picture and also it, it does drill kind of like your dad, drill into you some of those like basic human values right. that you'd like to think people would have without it. But the fact of the matter is sometimes – I mean almost always you need somebody to go like, hey, don't be a fucking asshole. And sometimes those conversations happen in churches. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, – I'm very – yeah, I'm happy with what it's done and I'm – I. You know, I don't have any grudges against it. Yeah, but. that's great. That's great. <laughs> well, it makes you who you are. I mean, that we said corn fed, that feeling, it comes off of you. Yeah. And even saying you're like Brian Regan when I watch your stand-up, it's super funny and it's a guy who's like trying to cast a slightly wider net. You're weird. You're interesting. I'm not saying you're just like straight across the plate, but you do want everybody to enjoy it. Right. And I think that's very popular right now. People like that sort of stuff. Everybody likes everything, but I, I, I see a nice slot for you. Yeah. Obviously, that you're occupying. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> what is the next thing that you that your goal uh, that you're um, aiming at? I mean, I, I I mean, I did my special uh, back in December. I released that on iTunes and Amazon. Um, self released. Self released. Yeah. So I shot it myself. I, I we shot it at El Portal in the small theater there. And uh, what's so, it? Uh, outraged. Um, so I was happy with that, sort of getting all the material out there. Um, and now I guess just sort of building up my act again, trying yeah. to figure out what, what I sort of want to focus on. Cause I, I, a lot of my act is just silly. It's not really getting to know me. So I've always sort of withheld that from the audience. It's always silly observations and that sort of thing. So I guess trying to expand that and then, you know, just doing the the website or the web series with my my wife and and I want to you know do I want to make a I want to write I've written a pilot I've you know written a I'm trying to write a movie right now so oh, it's great. just like I'd like to just make my own stuff and just put That's it great. out there and hopefully somebody likes it you know and, That's awesome but um yeah I, I just, just like I like asking that question not so much to hear your answer but I like getting it out there you Yeah, know yeah. I'm not in, not even in a metaphysical way just kind of like there it is. You're talking about it. You're doing it. More people looking out for it. All that sort of stuff. It's right, really right. Good. good on you, man. Thank you're doing you. the real shit. Because it gets a little heavy on uh, God. <laughs> 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 it's getting weird, man. I went to dinner with my in-laws and I, we started talking about death. And I was like – I said to Val after we got home, I was like, what the fuck kind of son-in-law am I that I like <laughs> – I didn't grill them. But like we talked about death in like right. a heavy way. I was like, what? doing she's like yeah you're being the person that i love but i was like it's, it's getting strange i'm getting very comfortable sort of talking about it and i need to remember sometimes that's weird but in to cleanse the palate of our own death conversation can you remember the time you laughed the hardest in your life or one of them it always sounds so there can only be one but i mean just like a time oh my gosh um, maybe you were a kid maybe you fell maybe someone else fell maybe there was a fart maybe you were in church <laughs> Maybe there's a um, fart in church. <laughs> I mean, a fart in church. Is there anything funnier than a fart in church during a prayer? <laughs> I would, I'd die if someone farted during a, like a moment of silence. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, yeah, Catholic school is always ripe with, sure. with laughing at stuff. Uh, God dang it. What about. I'm trying to remember if there's anything. It doesn't have to be a good story. I'm, oh, not, okay. I'm not looking for like a, I open the door, it's filled with the banana pills. <laughs> the same banana pills we just told the orphans we were out of. It doesn't have to be that. Just feel tears going down your cheek. Your belly hurts. Who are you with? How old um, are you? 
God. Your brother? Your, was your mom a cut up? Well, your wife? Um, God dang it. You I, smoke dope? <laughs> I did not smoke dope. I've never done drugs ever. Interesting. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of like the funniest thing we've ever – oh my gosh. How can I not think of anything? I guess uh, – <laughs> I remember there was a t- – <laughs> I remember one time that, and I remember we had – we had just seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure and uh, my friend uh, was just – we were dropping him off and then he refused to like get out of the car and then he finally got out of the car and then he got on the hood of our car and then my brother was just like, we got to go. And he just started driving with this guy on the hood of his car. And we thought it was the funniest thing. And then all of a sudden, a cop was up behind us. And it was, oh, my God, it was the scariest thing. And, and uh, so it went from being like the most hilarious yes. thing to the scariest thing. Yeah. And uh, he How let, fast are we going? No, we were driving like, you know, 10 miles yeah, per sure. hour. Like we weren't like speeding down yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just thought it wasn't it was, chips. Right. <laughs> Was that shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought it was the funniest thing, just this guy on the hood of our car, and I was like 10 years old, and we just saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Did your dad ever let you drive a car sitting on his lap? No. Really? No, no he was very by the book. He was oh, very, wow. uh, he Yeah, was, I guess I should, I, but I also felt like, I'm getting this image of your daddy as like an anchor tattoo on his bicep. <laughs> uh, I'm picturing Sailor from G.I. Joe. Right. Um, but... Uh, I, that 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 lines up that he was kind of not strict but old school. Yeah, old school. Just just. Uh, but sometimes old school meant like have a sip of my beer. Yeah, he'd he'd do that every once in a while. Yeah. But I remember I remember watching Mash with him. Like yeah. that was a big thing. That was yeah. like my first comedy experience was watching Mash. Isn't that funny. Um, but yeah, he was he was great. I mean, I don't know. He's just very humble and very. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, I was bringing him to my shows, and I'm always like, "That's my dad. He's in World War II. Give him around." You know, and people yeah. like applaud him. He's oh, like, "That's sweet. All right, like, <laughs> all right. I didn't need that. I didn't ask for it, and I don't want it. <laughs> but let's see some of you pansies do some pull-ups. <laughs> Lower the rope." And he's up there with the scissor legs. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's ninety. What? Yeah. Now he's yeah. I'd he's, love to arm wrestle your dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fly him out here. It's on. He'll fly himself Next. out here in the smog <laughs> right. and he'll land without radar. I know your dad. You think he's like a Navy SEAL. Yeah, I understand. I like no, I'm sense. understanding who your dad is. All right. All right. He killed Bin Laden. He, did. he, did. he went out of retirement to be like SEAL Team Six. One yeah. gun, one bullet. Are you sure? <laughs> Don't worry. Clarky's got it. Uh, his name's Clark, too, right? His name is Clark, yeah. All right. Well, let's plug the stuff. You got the web series called The Clarks, you got the special called Damaged. Outraged. I'm sorry. I like damage. Damage is pretty. That could be the next one. Outraged. Uh, uh, albums. I'm assuming you have albums. Yeah, on, on iTunes. I don't know. How do you get on Spotify there? Well, you got to get on the internet. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna um, need an. Let me write this down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're on Spotify if they're on iTunes. Okay. Uh, and uh, and TomClark.com. TomClark.com. Go for, see Tom live. Yes. It's a it's a great time. I love your stuff, and you're super funny. Oh, thank you, Pete. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Would you mind? We always have the guests say, keep it crispy. It's the catchphrase, but the guest says it. Oh. That's how we end. You feel good? I feel good. Great. Keep it crispy. That's it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I loved it. I always love it. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you want to